Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Fake Nerd Podcast. I'm Brandon T. McClure, welcoming you to episode 102. Are you okay, Ben? Ben, you look like you're like in Zen Samurai mode. <laughs> I am. You like you like had a little spaz. A, a spaz, really? Yeah. You closed your eyes a little bit, and I thought you were entering like the, the quantum realm, <laughs> something like that. <laughs> well, with me as always, Ben guys, Magnet. Guys, I don't feel so good though. <gasps> oh, spark plug, Wickowitty. Hello. Ryan James Elianopoulos. X gonna give it to you. All right, cool. What's up, guys? How uh, Ben's leaning over because he Damn doesn't it. think we can see him. <laughs> We, you can't hear it, but you can see it. Trust yes, me. Absolutely. <laughs> yes. um, how was your guys' week? It was pretty good. Yeah? I've been playing this game. It was so good you went high-pitched. Yeah, I'm going to finish that book. I'm putting out bread. <laughs> uh, uh, I've put like 12 hours in the God of War. Yeah. That game's. Uh, it's, it's fine. I'm just kidding. It's amazing. Oh, my gosh. I'm I'll so talk glad. about it later. Everyone's so talking about like it. it. Yeah, dude. Like, I, wasn't, I knew I was going to like it. Yeah. Uh, but besides that, uh, I read a lot of good comics. Yeah, there was a wedding that happened that maybe didn't happen. I caught a, I caught a, I caught, I read some comics, but I can't remember what, what. I, I read, I like binge read comics now because I'm trying yeah. to get through this damn stack I've got. And uh, I'll, like, I'll remember, I was like, oh yeah, I read that. Uh, I'll be like talking about it, but I'm like, when I get to like Sunday, I'm like, what? Did I don't I, remember. What did I read? I actually went Tuesday night because the, 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 the Batman wedding had, a, that. had a, an early release. So I got all my color comics and I read them early. So now I definitely don't remember what I read. But there's like definitely some Hulk in there. Hulk's still cool and scary and spooky. Yeah. I know I almost dropped Doctor Strange. I didn't pick it up because I didn't hear the greatest things. Yeah, it's fine. And then I, I don't want to find book. <laughs> then I saw Bats, which was a character from Donny Cates' Doctor Strange. Is he, is he in that book? He is. Good. He showed up in the third issue finally. Cool, okay. And I was like... All right, I'll see what you're doing with bats. I'll, I'll that last issue of Donny Cates, though, is so fantastic. Yeah. Maybe the, bats will show up in Venom for no reason. <laughs> right, that'd be funny. Yeah. Uh, besides comics, uh, it's you know pretty pretty good week. My new car is great, running great. It's wow. nice to have a nice running car. Let me tell yeah. you, Ben. So I had a pretty interesting week. Ooh. Did yeah. you know? Yeah. So on Wednesday it was Fourth July. Uh, it was Fourth July. So I was actually, it? Oh yeah. yeah, Happy Birthday, America. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Stop sucking. Uh, <laughs> all right we at the fake nerd podcast do not condone nor uh share the Our same political, political views, views. <laughs> do not represent any of us. or whatever that or whatever that thing is in yeah. the medium of interviews no so i was actually in woodland hills with my buddy jeff you know jeff brandon i know jeff yeah i was there with his family and fanny and while we were in line for he's the um, one you call joff right yeah yeah that's weird don't worry about it and uh, we were in line for a food truck, and this little girl, or her mom's, points to my shoes. She's like, "Hey, um, she has Spider-Man on his shoes." So this little girl comes up and like taps me, uh, and she, I'm like, "What's up?" And she's like, "My daddy's Spider-Man and Ant-Man." I'm oh, like, "What? Oh, that's cute." You said I'm like, Spider-Man and Spider-Man and Ant-Man, and her dad was sitting right there, um, holding on to her brother. And then like, I'm like, "Yeah, I don't know how to talk to you, little girl. That's awesome." <laughs> Is your dad Tobey Maguire and <laughs> yeah. Scott Lang? Yeah, right. Or, uh, what's Paul, his name? Paul, Paul Rudd. Rudd. Yeah. Funny enough, he actually comes up. He actually tells me he's like, "Yeah, I'm actually a stunt man, and I was I did stunt work for Spider-Man three and for Ant-Man. That's why she says that, so I don't sound oh. like an asshole." So it was Tobey Maguire and Paul Rudd. Oh, so yeah. I look at him, I was like, "Oh, that's awesome!" And we actually started talking because he did. And the shoes you have are the Marvel Vans. The, the Marvel Vans, which yeah, are really stellar shoes. Yeah, like, they are. They, they look real good. Yeah. yeah, they're they're quite marvelous. If you, uh, oh uh, god, you know what? You're, You're fired. fired. <laughs> <laughs> Unanimous. You love me. <laughs> It's a it's it's two out of it's two out of one. Yeah, that's, that's how it works. <laughs> Is that math? It's hot, guys. I'm yeah, sorry. It's, it's a death. 
So we started talking. He's actually a really cool guy. He did some stuff for um, he was a body double for Quicksilver during the um, Days of Future Past. Oh, okay, cool. He's done a lot of stunt work for Marvel, and he was also there for um, Captain Captain Marvel. Ooh. And he says Brie Larson, she did a great job. That's good to hear. And also, he, there was a funny thing because I guess he, you know that scene in Spider-Man Three when Tobey Maguire is supposed to be laying down on the bed, and then the suit comes up to him. Yes, yes. That really wasn't him. That was the guy I was talking to in line. Really? Yeah. That's and funny. then Toby's like, he told Toby. me the story of where Toby's telling him, was like, yeah, this is how I would act." And then he's sitting there going, "Then why don't you act out the scene?" Yeah. Why do you need a stunt man to lay on a bed? <laughs> exactly. Maybe he's like, "Yeah, I don't do bed work." Yeah. So I asked him if he got to wear all the suits. He's like, "Yeah, I got to wear all the suits. It felt really good." And That's the funny thing cool. is, his wife played Mary Jane at the Spider-Man Rock show at Universal Studios in the mid-2000s. Look at that. Do you remember that show? This guy. No, I've full never circle. seen the show. Okay. It, it was circle. like a rock opera Spider-Man show. That's cool. Turn off the dark? No. No. Uh, no. no. <laughs> That's on Broadway. Yeah. yeah, I think it doesn't. It's not anymore. Turn it for anymore. what? <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, that was pretty cool. His name is Colin. I forget his last name, but if Trevor you Trevor Spider Man. No, no. Colin Spider Man. Yeah. No. Colin Spiderman. Spiderman. Oh my god. Yeah. He's Jewish. But yeah, shout out to that guy. And also this weekend I escaped this hella heat wave that we had. Yeah, dude, good for you. By going up north to an awesome barbecue and had some delicious gri- ribs. Gribs? Wow, this is yeah, this this Groovy ribs? Super groovy yeah. ribs. This so heat wave is killing if if my car is melting. If you haven't heard, if you don't live in California, Southern it's Cal- on fire. Southern it is, California. It's the hottest on record. It, there, was a, there was a monsoon that hit, like 115 degrees, the worst it's been. So uh, just pray for us. <laughs> pray for us. <laughs> Hopefully we have an episode I, I next mean, week. I mean, you you guys are on fire. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm pretty okay. Yeah, you live in like Monterey Cheese Bay where it's beautiful yeah, and we, nice. We, we internet you in. Yeah. Yep. How was your week? I, I am safely interneted in from the uh, very... Uh, temperate 76 degree weather. That sounds That sounds nice. so nice. I just pack up and drive up. <laughs> well, no, it might f- be a little warmer than that. I might be underselling it, but it's definitely nowhere near 100. It's not tripling? No, yeah, when Fanny and I were driving back home from the bay yesterday, we were just like, man, we do not want to go back home in this heat. And you the- just like see the wave of heat as you drive closer. Did I ever tell you, I was, at, I was walking back from lunch when I worked at the comic book store. I was walking back and I see this wall of darkness <laughs> and it was during the winter and it was rain. It was kind of like drizzling, but not like raining. And I see this kind of wall of darkness, like approaching me. And then it, it like encompassed me and it was just lo- harder rain. Oh yeah. And it was just the weirdest just, thing to watch like harder rain come yeah. upon me. Uh, when you're on the highways, you can definitely see like the patches of where things are happening. And yeah. It's like, man, LA is a weird place. Yeah. yeah. Uh, 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 there's a lot of number ones that I think we all got. I know we all got cosmic ghost rider, right? Great. Got it. Yeah. Yo. Yo. Yeah. Right. I, w- I, I, w- I don't want to tell you what that book's about, but like you and, couldn't and tell, you cannot spoil, you cannot. That book's insane. I would never would have imagined that that's Marvel what he was would let do. them do that. Too. I know. Seriously. Oh, uh, Ben, did you pick it up? He Fuck hasn't it? read it. Yet. Oh, he picked it up today. Hey, Cosmic Ghost Rider deserves it. He no, we book. went to the store today. I got my books. I'm still pissed off because I still don't have Sonic the Hedgehog number four, and they gave me Sonic the Hedgehog number six today. What about five? Yeah, I bought five okay, last time. Okay. I don't. I still don't have four, so now I have six. It's like I still. Is four like the special read? appearance of like a super? I don't know what the problem with four is. Sparks, you read issue four. Is that that good of an issue? What's what's the deal with four? Or is it just like okay, it's fine. Uh, I have not read that yet. I'll tell you good what. Mind. I'll tell you what it is. I, I haven't gotten to it. I'll tell you what it is. It's diamond. Diamond. Damn IDW diamond. published this book. The retailers uh, ordered it, mm-hmm. and the retailer that were in, qu- in question, Earth Two Comics, Sonic is not a big. Seller for yeah. them. 
so I'm, they're not going to buy a, a lot. I'm willing to bet that I'm one of like three people who buy Sonic. At I don't two. even think there's three. I might be the it's only one like then. Sub only, really? Yeah, yeah probably. Yeah. Um, there was so Cosmic Ghost Rider. There was a Captain America. I haven't read it yet, but I've heard it's okay. Um, Death of the Inhumans. Which I'm interested waves. in where Captain America is going. Yes. Did you read Death of the Inhumans? No, I read the spoilers did. though. Yeah. Uh, it's it, when they say the Death of the Inhumans, they're not joking, you guys. It goes hard real fast, and uh, and uh, it's Donny Cates doing his his beautiful like poetic. Of rhyming schemes with crazy Im- bloody imagery like from I'm really God interested Crunch in reading baby, baby Teeth at this point yeah. I'm like I'm just picking up everything he writes like, yeah. he's, he's fantastic That's Venom it. is excellent mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sparks how was your week? My week was good I read Tokyo Ghost because I was bad last week and I didn't read Tokyo Ghost Hey man thanks for reading it I appreciate you Hey man thanks for sharing it I appreciated the share it's uh, it's actually really really cool I really liked it okay. um, I thought that the art style was really good that's this whole story just wasn't exactly about what i thought it was based on the first issue and i and i was happy about that oh real um, quick i um i realized i forgot to mention this last week uh, while we're on this lion cat is in an issue from oh, saga oh yeah is it um he's in the back he's in he's actually in the foreground of when of a like a, a two-page spread it's like a hologram or something no it's it, he, it's, a, it's just a it's cat, just a cat? Uh, in in uh, in Japan. Okay. Oh, okay. And it's Lion Cat. Dang, I missed I missed that. I thought that was fun. That's awesome. All right. For all you Saga fans out there. But yeah, I thought it was really really well done, and uh, could have done without the epilogue. Um, the epilogue, the epilogue for me personally kind of kills it a little. Yeah, it's kind of just like, hey, if we want a sequel, we'll make a sequel. Very nihilistic. Something that you... Which I'm into, yeah. Yeah. I I didn't like it because I I dislike Davy so much that I'm like, I don't like the idea that he... I wanted him to, like, be defeated and done. I can understand that totally. I didn't like that. It just kind of leaves it in this open-ended place where it's like, yeah, but did he really lose? And it's like, uh, uh, no, why? Yeah, I can uh, can understand that. Um, And and, uh, Rick Remender has said, like, hey, like... Uh, there are thoughts of a of a sequel book, but we never we're not. It's not an active development, but like it's in right. it's in my mind. So if it happens, it happens. But if not, it ends just you know fine for me. Yeah. Thank you for reading it. Yeah. Yeah. Anything else you guys want to bring up before we get into our news? Mm, no. It's hot. It is. <laughs> right now, it's nice. Sparks, I didn't get an answer from you. Um, I think I'm good. Alrighty then. Uh, well, before we get into our news segment, we must say. This week, uh, last week was the passing of Harlan Ellison. This week was the passing of another giant, Steve Ditko. Man, this is a big one, boy. Yeah, this is the co-creator of Spider-Man, Doctor Strange, The Creeper, uh, The Question. Captain Adam, Hawk and Dove. Mm -hmm. Dove. A lot of things, man. He he and Stan Lee had a huge falling out. Um, And I've mentioned this in a few places, and a lot of people are being like, well, Stan Lee said it was like, it's very, we have to be very, clear while stan lee is you know we all like stan lee i'm not even saying anything bad about stan lee it's important to know that he steve ditko and jack kirby like towards the middle of their lives not even the later in their lives did not like each other did not get along stan yeah. lee was you know he cared more about his own personal brand according to jack kirby steve ditko never uh said why or how the falling out happened. He just kind of said that's, that Stan, Stan knows and that's all that matters. But he became a recluse. He became the, quote, J.D. Salinger of comics. Yeah, dude. Like, uh, I, was, I was on the Wikipedia, and the only picture of him is from his high school. 
when yeah. he graduated from high school. There's and a couple of illustrations, and there's like the I think there's one picture of him in the bullpen, like early in the fifties. There's then two. I've seen. I, wait, I posted one of them, but there's another one. Yeah. But you can't find high quality pictures of them because he never took another one. Yeah, it's crazy, and he worked so much too. It's so weird, weird that he didn't like he didn't want to expose himself, but he didn't really care. He just wanted to make make the stuff, make yeah. the art. Yeah, and it's a it, it's a real damn shame. And we have him to thank because if, if it wasn't for him, the original Spider-Man would not be as cool and would not be as popular. It's true. Doctor Strange would wouldn't exist, and we wouldn't have the crazy Marvel imagery that nope. we have now. We wouldn't have the Doctor Strange movie with all its surreal imagery. I'm really happy that he got to see six Spider-Man movies. Yes. and one Doctor Strange movie. Uh, while researching it, uh, like they were saying, like he was getting royalties from Spider-Man, but like it was like a re- like the very low end. Mm-hmm. Like he wasn't getting what he was supposed to, and that kind of bums me out. Well, that goes back to what the original contract was. Like Stanley, like Jack Kirby and and Steve Ditko should have died very rich men yes it's kind of like the bob finger situation yeah with bill batman finger. bill, bill finger. finger excuse me bill yeah it is absolutely that because they both all of that all that kind of crew were hired under the same kind of work for hire uh contracts that were uh commonplace back then it wasn't until like the 80s and 90s with neil adams and guys like that that really changed that kind of thing where if you create a character and that character's used you get royalties yeah. for that character mm-hmm. but before it was like no this is our character not yours yeah and i and you know none of us were there we're obviously young uh mm-hmm. and like it's we don't know all, the whole situation between them but it seems like 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 stanley kind of took the credit and it was like sorry guys i'm the writer here yeah and like i you'd like to think stanley's a little better than that you'd like to think i'm so. sure he is now yes at the time you know it, it was a different time back then yeah mm-hmm. he was the face of marvel and again we don't know the situation right it could have been like super weird he was absolutely the face of marvel marvel was pushing him it was always stan like on the comics you've seen the old comics stan lee presents yep uh captain marvel or captain whatever uh captain this there's tons of captains, a lot of captains. in this. <laughs> a lot yeah. of men too captain fantastic no. captain man <laughs> um why didn't they ever come up with a captain man I don't know. They did He Man. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah, it's a it's a real damn shame. Sparks, you're a huge Spider Man uh, fan. I wanted to get some words in that. Sorry, we rambled a bit over you. That's okay. I mean, what I don't know what you're wanting me to. I mean, you know, he he passed away, and that's it's very sad. But he did live a long life, of, to ninety, which is yeah. pretty good and better than a lot of other deaths we've had to talk about lately. So yeah, that is that is a good. Uh, if you got to go. Living up to 90. I mean, not everyone can be Kurt Douglas. Yeah, dude. Forever. I am Spartacus forever. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Uh, No, I mean, I, you know, I appreciate everything that he contributed to comics. I think uh, comic book fans are very well aware, regardless of the fact that he doesn't get what he deserves financially from it. Uh, A lot of people are very well aware of his contributions and what he put into comics. So, which is nice. So, uh, This episode, I guess, is dedicated to that man. Rest mm-hmm. in peace, my dude. Yeah. So let's. Uh, Wait, so Brandon, are the shoe uh, designs on my shoes? Are those Steve Dicko designs or? Oh, I don't know. What do they look like, Ryan? I can't. I can't tell. I'm gonna say immediately. I'm gonna say no. Probably just stock Spider-Man. Yeah. Damn it. I can't tell from this one, to be honest. Yeah. Um. Well, let's uh, end this with some comics news. Getting into our bread and butter. You know who liked comic books? Steve, Steve Ditko. Ditko. Uh, so let's get into our bread and butter. And here's your bread. And your butter. He's been butter. Hey, okay, not in my ear, thank you. Black Panther versus Deadpool is a comic that's happening. Okay. Deadpool has fought the entire Marvel Universe, but now he's setting his sights lower. I mean, Black Panther. I guess you gotta, yeah. <laughs> uh, who's writing it? Well, strangely enough, not Colin Bunn, who's yeah, written every Deadpool miniseries. That's true. Um, it's Daniel Kibblesmith, who? Uh, who wrote Lockjaw. 
that was apparently really good. So maybe yeah. they're giving him the boost. D-Man was in that. D-Man. Strangely enough. D-Man. Uh, uh, art by Ricardo Lopez Ortiz. Okay, okay. Uh, which is a name uh, I'm familiar with, but I don't think I've seen his stuff. Uh, Deadpool needs a piece of vibranium for an undisclosed reason, so he must go up against Black Panther and the technology, the, the technologically advanced Wakanda to get it. Is this like a five-issue mini? Or? It's a five-issue miniseries. Mm-hmm. Um, released October 3rd. Um, the editor had this to say, featuring a brawl you can only get in comics. Brackets for now, anyway. <laughs> Uh, thanks. That's funny. <laughs> Black Panther versus Deadpool is the best of both worlds. Equal parts Black Panther, Wakanda, and Deadpool, and Deadpool Crazy Town. In bouncing these two characters off each other, and sometimes through each other, Daniel and Ricardo have found some really fascinating insights into what makes the, them tick as individuals. Will Moss. Hmm. Um, sure. <laughs> I won't read it. I probably I might trade it. Unless it's like unless I hear like really good things, but like um, Deadpool has a lot of books. Like he doesn't he doesn't need my help. Yeah, he's Deadpool, good. Deadpool has way too many books. Yeah. Who hasn't he fought? Well, he's, well, fought he's the literally universe. fought the Marvel so, universe. Yeah, yeah. Never mind. That's a bad question. Twice he hasn't fought DC universe yet. Oh, I wouldn't put it past them. H- him and Harley. You know what? If, him De- and Harley. if Deadpool, oh Red Tool. Um, mm. If Deadpool <laughs> wasn't, if Deadpool was popular enough during the JLA Avengers, like the nineties crossover, the early two thousands one. Yeah, okay. I think we could have seen him versus the Avengers, something like that, yeah. or the Justice League. That's so silly. I wouldn't put past them. Yeah. Uh, anything you guys want to say about this? How before much we move do you on? love Deadpool and Black Panther? Uh, not a lot. Although to be honest, I like Black Panther. Huh? Both of those movies were great this year. They were. Yeah, those were great. Those were great movies. However, for the Deadpool comics, yeah, there's just like too many Deadpool comics, and I don't know what is good. Here's the thing: there's actually only one Deadpool ongoing comic now, but there's a ton of minis. Yes. Yeah. So I mean, when you say what he wants to go into, vi- um, uh, into Vibranium Town, yes. Yeah. Vibranium he wants town. to go to Wakanda to get Vibranium. The first thought that came to my mind is like he's probably trying to make a vibrator. It's Deadpool. Oh my gosh! Have I, I think you just cracked this wide open, Ben. Yeah, that's ridiculous. <laughs> um, when that first Deadpool movie came out, I will uh, put past them. There was like three Deadpool ongoing series. There was like Deadpool, then there was like the Mercs with the mouths. I remember and there that was like slapstick and Solo. Oh, slapstick! Yeah, there was all of these books, and I'm like, guys, tone it down. Like the one Deadpool book that I really enjoyed that you loaned me, Brandon, was Deadpool and Old Captain America when they were trying to hunt down a piece of Wolverine. Yeah, DNA. the um, the aftermath of the of the death of Wolverine. Yeah, that was a good one. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. I like that. Uh, Sparks, you have any interest in this one? Uh, I'm on the fence. Fair point. Uh, Sparks, I know you were interested. There was that Dora Milaje comic. Is that out yet? Yeah, the the Wakanda Forever. Yeah, have you been reading it? Yeah, I picked it up. How's it going? How is it? It's good. I mean, it's a three-issue series, and so the first issue just came out this last week. Oh, okay. And it's it's pretty good. Um, It's all about... uh, uh, In in the comics, you know, Nakia is... um, She's kind of lost her mind a bit, and she's attacking in New York City using a old weapon of the Dormelage, and so they're chasing her. They're chasing her down, and along the way, they recruit the help of Spider-Man, and then uh, they find out that uh, Nakia is after actually going after Aurora, and so they Ooh. have to go work with the X-Men Ooh. in the next issue. Yeah, Nakia in the comics is a villain. Oh, yes. Hello, Black Panther Two. Well, you guys a fan of Shatterstar? Oh, you mean a guy who was in Deadpool two for like five <sighs> seconds and then died? Like a like like the the very minimalist amount I could possibly like something. It, that's Shatterstar. Sure. Point zero one. Well, Shatterstar is getting a mis- uh, miniseries as well, written by Tim Seeley and Carlos Villa. I'm actually into this one, dude. Um, part John Wick, a dash of Will Eisner's, a contract with God, and infused with lots and lots of interdimensional X Men superhero mythos, is the pitch for the book. 
Yeah, Shadowstar is like a, a gladiator assassin man. Yeah. So like, just make this like a hardcore Raider X-Men book and I'm So down. he's doing like a, a noir kind of X-Men book with Shadowstar. Uh, Tim Seeley says, I was 12 years old when I first saw Shadowstar on the pages of New Mutants and I was the and I was the perfect age to be intrigued by him. The dude's an alien gladiator and within pages of his of us meeting him, he stabs himself with his own sword in order to kill the bad guy standing behind him. My interest in him now is more in the hard-boiled noir aspects of the character. He's this guy whose life was violence for sport, and now he's trying to move on from that. But it's such a thin thread that keeps him in this new line of uh, lawfulness, and it's an easy one to break. Out October 3rd as well. I'm into it, dude. Like, I don't really care about Shadowstone. I went cross-eyed reading that. I just <laughs> wanted to know. I mean, like, I look at, like, ever since Vision, Tom King's Vision, any solo oh, any yeah. solo character book that I'm not read that I don't really care about, I will give it a shot because anything like Multiple Man, like I don't care about that character, but that's that first issue was super fun. Yeah, you got but you also got to look at like the creative team cuz Tim Seeley's never really done it for me. See, I disagree. His yeah. Nightwing his Nightwing stuff was really good. Or his, I found his, it to be fine. I well, that's cool. Like I yeah. uh him moving over to Marvel, uh that's where I'm like willing to like, hey, let's see yeah, what he, he does at Marvel. Yeah, he was a DC exclusive for a while for and a now he's going to Marvel. So that's why I'm willing to give it a chance. I, I recognize the name Tim Seeley, but what other stuff has he written? Oh, he's done a lot of DC stuff. Okay. Uh he's definitely worked on Nightwing. He did the Grayson book. Uh okay. I'm sure he's done side stuff too. Well, I guess after two lackluster titles, why don't we talk about something that I'm super stoked for? Sure, what? Hopefully you guys as well. Uh, none of you are reading Descender, am I correct? No. I read the first trade and I had to drop it because I have a lot of books. I think I read the first two issues. Good book. from you. I have to. I have to reread them. Yeah. Well, I, uh, Sparks, have you seen? Have you read it? Nope. Uh, Descender is one of my favorite books. It's coming to a close this month. Uh, I'm very upset about that. Until I saw that they're coming out with a sequel book. Ah. Jeff Lemire and Dustin Wynn will be reuniting for Ascender. Ooh. which will take place 10 years after the conclusion of Descender and all robots disappearing with magic returning to, ta- to stake its claim over the universe. What? Whoa, this is a different book. Well, this has been interesting because, well, the cover art has a girl with uh, one of the characters from Descender, a robot dog named Bandit. Mm-hmm. Um, what I found interesting is that there is kind of a little techno techno magic in as we go deeper into like the mystery of the descenders and what it and what it all means we get a little bit of maybe there was uh, uh, more magic in the world before there was techno- all this like robotic technology and things like that but anyway uh, so the description uh, teases descenders robot protagonist Tim 21 will still have a part to play in the new series when one girl must embark on an epic quest to find robot kind and its fabled boy messiah Tim 21 before it's too late Robot Jesus. I mean, that's who he is. It's, yeah. it's, he's Robot Jesus. Um, Jeff Lemire said, Dustin and I love the world of Descender, and we're re-energized by this new direction, which has opened all sorts of new storytelling possibilities for us. Ascender will feel like a continuation of the Descender saga and like a brand new book all in one. It's interesting. And then Justin Wynn uh, comes in and says, plus, it'll be a fantastic switch from drawing machines and metal all day to all flesh and fantasy for a while. That is a big change, yeah. Uh, it is interesting that they're... They're relaunching the book instead of just making it like issue thirty-one with a new launch. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, probably because this is a different book. Yeah, uh, it shares only like bare bones blood with Descender. I'm really curious. I, I, this does kind of for me spoil what is probably going to happen at the end of Descender. Uh, Descender thirty thirty thirty. Oh, it's not finished. I thought I finished already. It ends this month. It, Why would they tell us what the next book's about if we don't know the? There's I don't know. My high pitch again. This goes. This goes back to what they did with uh, Batman Fifty. Also, 
if you think about it. Um, but I don't know, because yeah. the issue's not out yet, and Jeff Lemire's generally not the one to spoil his own books. That's true. Uh, but this book is not coming out until 2019. Oh, that's a long way away. Yeah, so it's, it's, it's weird. It's time, so it's not delayed. And all yeah, that normally normally when th- when news like this comes out, the book's coming out August or September or something like that, when, when, solici- when previews are going to come out. But this is 2019, so this is interesting. Well, yeah, anyway. Hmm. I'll, uh, I'm, I'll, uh, when that book ends, I'll definitely finish I think, it. I think I'd want to do a book club... In the same way that Sparks did his. How many issues is it? 33? Yeah. I think it's going to be about six volumes in total. I don't know if I want to commit to it, but I might do it. Mm -hmm. Wow. Because I I want you guys to read it. I think you guys would like it. That first volume is super duper. Well, uh, super duper. If there's nothing more about comics, let's Mm -hmm. move on to some. Uh, Nope. Nope. Uh, Let's move on to some uh, miscellaneous news. Miskies? Movie news. (gasps) I watch those. Well, let's start with uh, the big news of the week, Anime Expo. Yeah. I uh, happened. Oh you, oh, you mean uh Langcon uh before Comic-Con? I don't yes. care. <laughs> um We probably could have got badges for that. We probably could have gotten yeah. badges for that. Yeah. Um well, Anime Anime Expo started and Legendary came out swinging with yeah. the news that they have partnered with Sunrise to make a American adaptation live action Gundam movie. Yes, 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 yes. Now yes, Ben yes, is yes, absolutely yes. the market they're looking for because he forgets <laughs> all the terrible adaptations. No, <laughs> I, I okay. So I heard they're making a Gundam movie. Yes, but then this is legendary. So yeah, they made Pacific Rim, which was good. But then they made Pacific Rim Uprising, which was eh. And even the whole time watching Uprising, I'm thinking just put in Gundams and make it. Yeah, better. Pacific Rim Uprising is a better temp- template for Gundam. Yeah, because you even see a statue of the Gundam unicorn. Yeah, there too. So that was a little jack. So <laughs> yay, foreshadowing. <laughs> But I do know the horrors of Dragon Ball Evolution. I know the horrors. They haven't seen it. I, I've seen But you enough. know the horrors. I've like, you weren't in the Holocaust, but you know about it. Yeah. I've seen enough. Yeah, dude. Did you just, com- did you just compare Dragon Ball Evolution dude, to the Holocaust? Th- no. <laughs> I think you did. <laughs> Evolution's worse. <laughs> Guys, I'm joking. Wow. I'm clearly joking. <laughs> We've got tweets already. I'm clearly oh joking. My oh, my gosh. I don't think we have the, <laughs> guys, we have the audience. Guys, why is my phone care. blowing up? I'm I don't care. think they have the audience for this yeah. to care. So... I know what's gonna happen, but I actually read the Hollywood, um, the re- the Hollywood, um, was it? Yeah, the Hollywood Reporter article, and they said that um, Sunrise, the director, is working with Sunrise, the what's production company behind Gundam. Oh, okay. So once oh, again, I didn't read that they had a director attached. Yeah, they do. Um, shoot, I forgot. I don't have the, I have the article, but they do have a director attached. Hmm. No casting yet, obviously. Well, yeah, it's, it's very the, early days. It, it's in the works, but the fact that they're working on it makes me happy. And also, it said that they're working directly with Sunrise. The is comp- this Legendary's first? Yeah, Legendary worked very closely with Toho to make Godzilla. Yeah, uh, that was one. That's uh, something they really like. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're but they're also not the first studio to work closely with the original anime production company and turn out a bad live action. Anime. Ghost well. in the Shell. Yeah, Ghost in the Shell. That dude was all up in it. Uh, Super Mario Bros. too. That's that was in 1993, and Nintendo yeah, learned yeah. its lesson. That's yeah. why there's never <laughs> been another one. Very true. He learned real early. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, I was say, I was saying Legendary probably has an uphill battle uh, yeah. for this because mm-hmm. historically speaking, these anime these anime uh, adaptations are not well received or in fact good. Mm-hmm. Um, even though I love Speed Racer, but <laughs> <laughs> there are there isn't a director attached yet. There isn't. Oh, I thought there, there was. Interesting. Um, but if there is a company that could maybe do put out a good one, mm-hmm. it, I would believe it would be them. Yeah. yeah. Um. Uh, Kale Boyder, who produced Pacific Rim Uprising, is producing this movie. Oh, okay. So okay. maybe he just wants to redeem his robot producer credit. Probably. <laughs> probably. Yeah. Well, if because if Pacific Rim Uprising was just a Gundam movie, I would not. I would not. I would probably like it more. Truthfully. Yeah, but if they're just gonna focus on the, I had no problem with that movie. So. 
We had this discussion two days ago. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm pretty sure it's a, they just said Gundam. And if you guys know, Gundam spans just like a whole brand. A whole it's like Star Wars. It started like, in 76. 78? 78. 78. 78. 78 was when it first came out. And that's when the the, first, the war between the Federation and, and Zeon happened. And then, of course, yeah. later on, you got Mobile Fighter G Gundam, Gundam Wing, uh, Gundam Sea. So many series, man. Uh, Gundam, Gundam Iron Wing. Boy. Iron Blood Orange, Gundam Wing, yeah. Only reason why I got Gundam. Hulu so I could watch Gundam. The most Wing. famous clip that I know from Gundam is there. It's at a. It's at like this high school or whatever. And this girl, this girl is um going to like this like super hot boy, and she uh, gives him this letter. That is from Gundam Wing. Yeah, and, That's and from she's Gundam like, oh. um, will you will you go to my birthday party? Oh my and he takes the letter, <laughs> and then really dramatic music starts playing, oh. and then he rips the note in half, and then she goes, but 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 why? And he says, I'll kill you, oh. and just walks away. Yeah. Uh, so that made me real interested in Gundam. If yeah. that's not line by line for line in the movie, I won't watch it. Have it's, you never seen the Gundam series? Before? It's like a s- I've seen the whatever was on Toonami. I watched on Toonami. Okay. Gundam Wing. Gundam Wing. Probably. All right. So if you guys want to know how the war between the Federation and Zeon, we don't have we the don't time, have time, time for you to do this. I'm right about now. to plug something for you guys. Plug it, it's plug a great. It. It's a six part hour long anime series. Each episode's an hour long. For now, it's an hour and a half. It's Mobile Suit Gundam: The Origin. It's on Hulu. It details the beginning of uh, how the war started is this like a documentary anime no no, no it's it's a full-fledged story oh, okay oh, that'd be and really it, interesting and it yeah. ends right before the attack on site seven okay. and then of course you have the sequel to that, that which is mobile suit gundam, what I've always found, or gundam unicorn what, what i always found interesting was that in japan the gundam series are connected in america they are not yeah weird that's yeah. weird. Every Gundam series was a sequel to the last, from the last. Uh, yeah, I messed up our headphones. I'm no, sorry. that's okay. There we um, go. Eh. Uh, but the Gundam series, when they come over to America, they take out all the, uh, they dub over all the references to the last series. That's weird. Well, because we didn't get all of them. Yeah. yeah we, we, we still don't, which sucks. Like, we got Zoids. We got the sequel to Zoids before oh, we got I Zoids. Zoids. Yes. I mean, we got Dragon cool. Ball Z before we got Dragon Ball. When I found, I yeah, remember watching okay. Cartoon Network one Saturday night, and they had Gundam 0080, and I was like so excited because it's just a new Gundam, and I was like, yes, it's a sequel to the to the One Year War. And then there was like they aired an episode, and then I was waiting for the next one next Saturday, and they cut it, and I was pissed. That's a bummer. I'm sorry. I'm sorry for your loss. Yeah. Uh, well, let's move on. We've no, talked Sparks a lot loves about Gundam. Sparks, did you? Want I to I enjoy Gundam. Yeah. Gundam Bros. Okay, so you, you lied to us. <laughs> you you re. Br- quickly brought up Dragon Ball but and you told me earlier that Dragon Ball Heroes yeah it sta- yeah. has started did you yeah. watch that episode already Sparks told me yeah yeah how is it uh i mean it's short cuz it's it's this new because it's like a, a shorter anime series so it's uh tighter they're they're like 8 minute episodes and there's Ooh. only going to be i think 13 to 20 of them weird um but it's all i mean it moves fast but it's 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 neat. I'm like, you know, whatever. This is all about, hey, let's make everything all canon at once. So have fun. You told me GT Super Saiyan 4 Goku fights Super Saiyan Blue Goku from Super, right? I didn't tell you. I showed you. Oh, yeah, isn't you showed the, me that. Is that like the trailer? Yeah, it, 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 it happens within like the first four minutes. They're, that's a they're lot fighting to, each other. That's so, a lot to take in at once. Okay. Uh, yeah. Well, let's move on. Uh, so two actors are in talks for two different franchises that we love. Ooh. Uh, let's start with the, we'll start with the one... That The Rock is in Star Wars Episode Nine. No, I'm kidding. Um, I was like, "Listen, I love The Rock. Do, do, do not put him in Star Wars. <laughs> that will take me out of that movie so fast. <laughs> like, I love The Rock, but man, no, put him in Star Wars, but put him in so much makeup, or put him in suit and do so what much they do with Simon Pegg. Yes. Yeah, yeah, Simon yeah, yeah. Pegg, or I, even you just can't, I can't see The Rock's face. Or do it in Daniel Craig. Make him a stormtrooper. 
like a the giant big buff. Storm oh, trooper. Big armor trooper. Make him like yeah. that one store like the like that stormtrooper. Like, oh god, like that stormtrooper executioner who's just like a badass that no one wants to screw with. Kind of like the mountain in Game of Thrones. Well, okay. Yes, yes. Anyway, Idris Elba is in talks to be the villain. No, no, it's not talks. He's confirmed. Oh, I read the. Uh, I guess uh, I didn't read. Yo, the, man, in this industry, the right article in this industry. Smoke fire could have been the, the rock. The rock confirmed it on his Instagram through his Seven Bucks production Instagram account. He said that Idris Elba is playing the villain. Nice. All right, then. I can. I can. The, I can trust the rock. <laughs> well, yeah, he is. Yeah. He is his own hype man. <laughs> yes. um, yeah. Okay, then uh, Idris Elba is going to uh, going to be the villain. Uh, nothing is really known about this character or, or what he's going to do, but uh, the, he will be the villain of the spinoff, uh, the Hobbs and Shaw spinoff. Is for it going to be Fears. called Hobbs and Shaw? Do you think? I don't know. Yes. What else would they call it? It's going to be called Hobbs and Shaw. Fast yeah. 8. 9, 8.5. 8.1. <laughs> yeah. Um, dude, like, Aegis Elbow's dope, and I love The Rock. And this made me more excited for this. Heck yeah. And it's the John Wick guy, right? Right? David Leach. Yeah. So, uh, uh, John Wick, Deadpool 2, Atomic Deadpool Blonde. 2, yes. Uh, so, I'm on board. Yeah. Uh, let's, hope we get some, let's hope we get some gun gunplay in there, not sword play. Yes. Yeah. Car play. Car play. Yeah. Car play. Yeah. Car play. Car Oh, uh, Chad Stahelski does Carfu. Yes, Car- Car- there you go. Carfu. Yes, yeah. yeah. I could, I could see it working. Yeah, I can see it working. Uh, ben, we are all fans of the Fast and the Furious franchise here. Yes. I know, I, I know. I you, enjoy. Uh, are you excited about this? Uh, I am intrigued. All right, I, Sparky Sparks, are you excited about this? Uh, I'm excited about Idris Elba, but I still stand by that I'm not, I'm not super stoked about a, a, a movie with Jason Statham's character as one of the leads. I feel. It's not even like I don't think Jason Statham is that amazing of an actor to begin with. No, you know I just don't. But uh, it's I don't have much interest in his character in the Fast and Furious films. That's fair. Yeah, he killed he killed many people, and now he's a good guy. He killed Han. He did that. I don't know how how they just forget that he killed Han. That bastard. (laughs) Like I understand, like oh, I'm like a bad guy, but I'm. If anything, I'd rather have Luke Evans back more. Bring him back with his dirty, his gross face. Yeah. Yeah, I, I liked I liked Luke Evans. More as a as a villain in the <laughs> just, Fast just and make Furious him, films. Uh, just make him Dracula in the Fast and the Furious movies. Oh God! <laughs> Let's move on before we get further into that hole. God. Carrie Russell is in talks to be in Star Wars Episode Nine. I love uh, this Carrie is an Russell. actress that has worked with J.J. James before. Um, I have never seen her in anything. She worked in Mission Impossible Three. She was in a movie called Dark Skies. She's in The Americans, and she's great. She was in a movie called uh, Waitress. Uh, she was in a TV show called Felicity. Who is she in Waitress? She's the waitress. I have seen her in something. Yes, strange that it, it was yeah, Waitress. Yeah. Which, she she's, she's the she's, she's the main character in the movie Waitress. She's the no, waitress. no. I'm talking about Americans. She's the main character in the Americans. Oh, does nice. that mean she's in Boy Meets World? Maybe. She was in Honey I Shrunk the Kids as a kid. Is um, she is she Feeny's granddaughter in Boy Meets World? Uh, yeah, yeah. Okay, I've seen her in things. Uh, like her, uh, I like her a lot. And she her was in she was in Dawn of the Planet of the Apes also. Yes, she was. Oh, and she's in a lot August of stuff. Rush. August. I didn't see oh, that. Oh, I love August Rush. Oh, I she was, years. I know who she was in August Rush. Thing, hey, I'm rediscovering this character. This actor. Carrie Actress is really great, man. Uh, Carrie Actress. C- Carrie Russell is a great. <laughs> Carrie Actress is a great Russell. Jack Russell Terrier. Um, so the the casting call said that it was for an action heavy role. So everyone's assuming, hey, it's Ray's mom. You guys, get over it. Get over it. Stop it. Although, Stop it. It's entirely likely that J.J. Abrams would go back on. That. I will. 
I will be a mad boy. <laughs> I will be very upset if he does. Everyone if assumes go, like all like these he goes back things. and says, "Oh no, Ray actually does have meaningful parents." It's, no, we, Kylo Ren was lying. So no, no uh-uh, you just destroyed Last Jedi. Everyone thinks he's either going to be like a new, uh, uh, like a rebel, like uh, commander, like a new Leia or or Holdo. I think she's going to be a Knight of Ren. That'd be cool. I think I would like to heavy, see. I think she's badass. I think she's gonna be a nice. I would like to see a night of more nights because we haven't seen any of that, and we I know JJ's no. gonna Sparks, touch it. Sparks, you Man. you sigh deeply. Oh yeah, dude. Yeah. No, sigh. I just I I hadn't thought about the Knights of Ren in a while, and I can't believe that we've had a whole Two trilogy movies. where we've talked about Knights of Ren, and we're getting to the third one, and we have seen no Knights of Ren, and I'm like, what is this? I How know. is this even a thing? I know. We can go on and on about J.J. I'm screwing up Star Wars. Their potential, the Knights of Ren's potential is so cool, but it's just, there's nothing there. Oh, like Phasma. (sighs) No. Hey, at least she has like a book or whatever. Boy, I'd I'd like it if she were Knights of Ren. I don't believe that's true. I think it actually, unfortunately, is very likely she's related to Rey in some way. I think we should do an episode. We should move on, but we should do an episode where we just talk about why it was Ryan Johnson's fault that everybody hates The Last Jedi. No, no, it's it's JJ Abrams' fault that everybody hates the Last Jedi. Yeah, because he's just oh, doing what he oh, had to work yeah. with. Yeah. What's next? Well, what's next is cereal. I like cereal, as in like whoa, cereal like and milk, milk, Fruit Loops, Lucky Charms, that kind of cereal. Yeah. Murder. Uh, what? <laughs> yes. It's cereal murder, guys. Red, red, I don't red, understand oh. why you guys were going to. Oh, well, like Funko the- has murdered our childhood long mm. enough. I love have, cereal. I, don't, I tried. I tried to go somewhere. <laughs> anyway, Funko is introducing a line of breakfast cereal. No, normally I would say that's cool, but it's where they are is what makes me okay. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, just for you guys, just so you guys know, they're called Funk O's, and they are going to be little tiny little uh, circle cereal. Like, che- think Cheerios and Fruit Loops. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, but designs. Yeah, uh, and they're going to be different colors and and whatever. But they won't be available at your local grocer, which is weird because when I want to go buy food, you know where I want to go. Well, Hot do you want to go to GameStop? Power to the players. Uh, the Mega Man Funk O's will be at GameStop. What? And we'll have a Mega Man pop inside. Uh, Cuphead and Mugman Funkos will uh, be at Hot Topic, and we'll have a Cuphead pop they inside. They come with pops. They come with pop figures. I didn't know that. Yeah, they come okay. with little pop figures, like for the toy for the toy inside. That's cute. Um, you know, they they their whole thing is that they're nostalgia based. So of course, it makes sense that they would put a little toy inside. I love it. Do we know the flavors of them or no? Uh, they taste like Mega Man and Cuphead. Mm, metal. <laughs> mm, metal and alcohol. That's Alkaline. great. Mm. Freddy Funko. I, I imagine they taste quite a bit like the uh, the Halloween cereals. Mm. It's entirely likely. The, so Mega Man must be like a boo berry or something. So Freddy Funko's, yes, which is uh, Freddy Funko, which is the um, mascot, the mascot of Funko, uh, will be at the, only available through the Funko website. Um, and we'll have a Freddy Funko pop inside. Uh, Nightmare on Elm Street Funkos uh, will be available at FYE along with Friday the 13th Funkos, and then we'll both have Freddy Krueger and Jason Voorhees pops inside. That's a weird breakfast cereal choice. Epic crossover cereal. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Lord of the Rings Funkos will be available at Box Lunch, which is, in my, for my money, the only one that actually makes sense. Yeah. Um, and we'll have a Gollum pop inside. <laughs> oh, I get it because they're... Oh, really I good. see what you did there, Funko. So they're green, not gold. Ah, damn it! So they didn't do it. They didn't do what you're thinking. So uh, additional cereals will continue to be added throughout the year for your snacking pleasure, is what they said. This, they come out this month. Uh, I don't know exactly when. They might already be out now, um, but this is they're going to sell it so fast. They're going to sell it so fast. This to me, and I was talking to Sparks about this uh, when, when you were down here, buddy. But this to me reminds me a lot of what DC did with the 100 Page Giants. 
Oh, we just talked about that last week. We did. Um, they're out. And, and they're out. And they're gone. Yep. Because collectors went for them. Because collectors found them. And what the purpose of them was to get people into comic book stores. But they, they, they didn't, either they didn't sell enough or Walmart didn't order enough. I don't think they knew that the demand was going to be this big. But you put in those two stories, the Bendis and Tom King stories, and you get the collectors who are like, well, I want that. So I'm going to buy up as many. And Walmart doesn't care about, about one per customer like a store does. No. So they're just going to buy them all. See, my thing is, I feel like like Walmart, like Mar- like DC wants to have as many of these as possible, but I think it's maybe Walmart doing the ordering. And they're like, It oh, is Walmart doing the yeah, ordering. Yeah, like, so like... Maybe they just they don't care that much. Like, yeah, we'll get the stock and we'll make our money for as many as we sell, and we don't yeah. care. Uh, but to bring this back to, to Funko, yeah, uh, this cereal is going to sell out because there's going to be there's the the Funko collectors are ridiculously oh. passionate. They're oh not, yeah, and they're definitely not going to send like a, a two hundred boxes to Hot Topic for. Uh, I'm for I'm the, feeling you know. personally attacked right now, Brandon. Can oh. you you are not back a little? You are not <laughs> what I was talking about. <laughs> yeah. You are nowhere near as bad as some of these guys. Put them on eBay. That's bad boys. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, Sparks, not you. <laughs> Look, he's got a lot of Funkos, no, I, I will admit. No, um, here, here's my two cents about the, the Funko cereals. Because I think this is a cool idea. Do you see the one we gave you two cents? You, you, you said. He put it in your Godzilla thing. I put it in your oh, you're right. Yeah. <laughs> so, sorry, I was taking it back because Ryan just put my hair back <laughs> behind my ear. Very sensual. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, it's it's a cool idea. I actually I like this idea because it's it reminisces back to the night to the nineties and the early thousands where you get a, where there where some cereals had certain promotions for like movies and other stuff. Yeah, that's what that's exactly toy. what Funko is trying to do. But here's the thing, that Mega Man cereal, which obviously you guys know I want, but I have that Mega Man Pop final already. It's the same design. There's it's no, a smaller pop. It's small, but still, it's a smaller pop. But I still have the big one. But you don't have the small one, then. I don't need the small one. I got the bigger one. If it was a different shade, or if it was a different color, or if it was a different design, then sure, yeah, I would go go for that straight straight away. But I'm like, but I already have that style of Mega Man, bigger, and I, I mean, if it was a different Mega Man or a different mold, then sure, I would go for it. It's Mega Man Junior. But still, I mean, these, but these, I mean, even like the yeah, dollop, but. but but Ben, don't you want the cereal box to put behind your Mega Man pops? You could. But the cereal also, box looks cool. I uh, the cereal admit. box does look cool, so I'll probably just go for the cereal box. But also, I like to eat food when someone gives me food. Don't you want to know what Mega Man tastes like? So just take the bag of cereal out and keep the box. Yeah, yeah, you could do that. I was thinking about doing that, but I mean, but I don't know. It's just here, like the if, if one of the if they come out, they're going to come out with more. And if they come out with one from a property that I actually really like, mm-hmm. or like Lord of the Rings I like but I don't really want the Gollum pop figure but if yeah. they come out with a with a, a p- Batman Star Trek let's say they come out with a Star Trek I want Captain America cookie crisps sure uh, they come out with something like that I I would be tempted to, to, to hunt them down and buy them like yeah. the, the cookie crisps shaped like Cap Shield and they have this, the red white and blue star on yeah, it yeah dude that would be cool but they should be available at grocers yes. they would make so I, much money absolutely I mean I go to GameStop to buy video games and if they have a chocolate and Funko bar Pops. And, and Funko Pops yeah, yeah GameStop has definitely become like They're pop, a, like a pop culture place instead it, of just games anymore yeah they well they, as long as the games are attached to it they'll give you the pop culture stuff like I've gotten a bunch of stuff from GameStop that isn't video at game, the, uh, that is game related but it's more like apparel related at the Northridge Mall they have a Ironheart figure that's originally like $80 and it's on sale for 20 because nobody's bought it for yeah. like a year and next time I go there if it's still there I'm going to buy because it it's like a beautiful figure for like twenty bucks. Yeah, like, s- support Ironheart. Marvel Legends. No, it's like a like a big like statue. Oh, interesting. yeah, it's like a big ass statue. Yeah, I bought my Mega Buster at that same GameStop. You yeah. did, you did. All right, well let's 
Uh, anything, any, any more news you guys wanted to bring up before we move on? Oh, actually, I think I have some. I don't know if this is true or fake, but some it's casting fake. news for um, uh, um, Enter the Spider-Verse. Oh, right, Nicolas Cage. Oh, right, Nicolas Thank Cage. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. Yep. As God. Spider-Man Noir. That's so funny. So yeah, he's that's awesome. In two animated cartoons. I know. It, yeah. It's insane. I love this kind of the cage cage sons, and he's perfect for Spider-Man Noir. Mm-hmm. He's great. He's going to be He's gonna be great. Well, I, I've heard that. I was like, I want to believe it, but I don't know. That's why I wanted to tell it is with true. you it guys. Is true, so yes. I, I'm so, I, I was down for Enter Spider-Verse before. I am more down now. That's this Christmas, right? Yeah. Sweet. Yeah. Can, you, can you believe we're getting Spider-Man Noir in an animated movie? That's yeah. awesome. Dude, we're probably getting like Spider-Verse, and we just don't know it yet. I would love to, like Spider-Man Britain. Yeah. Oh, we're getting. I think we're getting all of them, dude. That'd be great. Like we got Spider Gwen. Like we're getting them all. Yeah. Uh, oh yeah. Anything else from uh, Ryan or Sparks? <sighs> no. no. Alrighty then. Well, time now for our review of Ant Man and the Wasp. Now, full spoilers from here on out. So if you have not seen the movie, so uh, as of yet, uh, go to the theater, uh, bookmark this, do whatever you want, or you listen to it. I don't Giant really man size spoilers. But spoilers, you have been warned. Uh, so what do we all Chai think about this? Ant Man size spoilers. Okay. What? Sorry. Damn you, Thanos! You couldn't have waited. I <laughs> uh, no, no, I couldn't. I couldn't. You don't get to talk for the next two minutes, Ryan. <laughs> hey, my name is Ryan Leopolis. Ben, what'd you think of it? <laughs> Ryan, Damn no. you, Thanos! Uh, I gotta be honest. I <laughs> like this movie a lot more than I anticipated. Not that I didn't think I was gonna like it. I thought it was gonna be like another fun movie, but like yeah. I like this movie a lot. You know, it's, it's just like everyone was like had the the chemistry was there, like the special effects were there. Like it wasn't a world ending event. It was like a fun small story. Yeah, uh, Sparks, what did you think? Yeah, I thought it was great. I really liked everything about it. I like that they just committed to the fact that no, this is just straight up a comedy, and they went for it, and I really enjoyed that because. It, it was very funny. I think it's Marvel's funniest film. I was laughing a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, I uh, I don't think it's Marvel's funniest film, uh, but I love. I really like this movie. I also really like the first one. Uh, the first one's actually probably top ten, maybe inching close to five. Uh, but this one I like more because um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. this, this one feels more like more of a cohesive film, uh, whereas the last one feels very much like an Edgar Wright. Um, this guy's director, I always forget, Peyton Reed. Peyton, Peyton uh, Reed. Edgar Wright, Peyton Reed kind of collab, even though it really wasn't. But uh, and this one feels much like Peyton Reed's movie. Mm-hmm. I, I think that really helped it. Uh, it's brisk. It's only under It's under two hours, making it one of the shorter Marvel movies. It did, yeah. Because we're so used to these epics. The two and like, a half? Like I, yeah. I saw like the end coming, and I'm like, oh, man, we're almost here already? I was yeah. really enjoying this ride. Can I speak now? Yeah. Yes. Okay. No, I was I was going into Ant-Man and the Wasp knowing I was going to like it. I didn't walk out thinking I was going to love it as much as I do. Because, yeah, it's it's funny. And also, in the trailer, I like how they give you like a little, oh, yeah, this is the, she wants to control the world. No, she doesn't. The main antagonist, The ghost, trailer lies to you. Good. I want more I movies to do that. actually kind of like, because you're like, oh, world, and she wants to take over the world. She wants to, we have to save the world. Like, they even, Scott Lang says in the trailer, let's go save the world. Yeah, yeah and you don't. Or and they don't. It's just... The main plot. Yeah, the world is gone afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the main plot is um, they're uh, um, Hope and Hank trying to get uh, Janet back, yep. and then of course you get Ghost and all this other shenanigans going around. Yeah. So while we're on that, so they basically the the plot of the of the movie is that um, Scott is under house arrest for what happened in Germany mm-hmm. uh, during the Civil War, and uh, he took a plea deal. Uh, so they could be with his daughter, which is kind of what we figured um, mm-hmm. going into. Uh, they say that in Infinity War. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but we we I think we had speculated that a while back, um, and 
Uh, we opened with a really cute kind of thing with him and his daughter, uh-huh. and I just thought that was adorable. Oh yeah, we like it's like they pretend they pretend to shrink, like yeah. they're in a cardboard recreation of like the tunnels, yeah, that, like they that are underneath the house. It's it's adorable, dude. and it's super cute. Um, but on the other side of that, uh, uh, Hank and Janet, uh, not Janet, Hank and P- and Hope are on the run because of the Sokovia Accords. And, mm-hmm. uh, because even though they weren't involved, the tech was involved. The tech, it's Pym Tech. So, so, so Scott's kind of to blame for them being in trouble. Yeah, and they, they are very quick to, to, they don't like to talk about that. Um, and he, uh, they open up a doorway to the quantum realm, which allows Scott to kind of remember being in the quantum realm. And then there's a message from Janet within his brain, so they think. Yeah. And so, like, the, so he calls Hank and... Uh, and they kidnap him. Yes. Um, <laughs> and they they put an ant in his place. Yeah. They they Man. they enlarge an ant, put the ankle bracelet on him, and he's the first just, time we see the ant, he's holding a bit of fruity crisps. Oh, 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 fruit, fruit loops. Fruit loops. He's holding fruit loops, and he's just like holding it for dear life as Louis. <laughs> throughout, like, oh. throughout the movie, he's like taking a bath. He's playing the drums. Yeah, he's like he's being Paul Rudd. And yeah. uh, and uh, they uh, Hope and uh, Hank have little tiny cars mm-hmm. uh, that can shrink, which is. Great, great I, stuff. They put it in a Hot Wheels carrying case, yeah. which is the best. I will never look at Hot Wheels the same way ever again. There's so many just fun little details. Uh, the action sequences, the car chase. One of the most inventive car chases I've, I've ever seen. With the car shrinking and growing and yeah. stuff, man. No, when the car shrinks and it sounds like a little RC car going. Eee. Yeah, I really like. Uh, one of the things that I, I liked a lot was there's Marvel in general is starting to use the use the character's powers to create unique action sequences using the character's powers. Like we saw it with Thanos versus Dr. Strange, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which was very awesome. Yes. And now we see it again. Like we're no longer seeing Marvel do generic. I'm going to, pun- oh, we're just going to punch. We're just going to punch. We're now seeing Marvel being like, no, his powers can do this. What can we do to kind of, uh, make it a comic co- book. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And there's a lot of really fun stuff with uh, uh, with Ghost. Mm-hmm. Uh, that effect is great. And real quick, so yeah, the trailers are like, yeah, Ghost wants to take over the world. And and from the comics, Ghost is a C-level Iron Man villain. So there's no reason she'd be taking over the world. So that's why I was immediately kind of scared for this movie. But you see clearly that's not what it's about. Yeah. And it's just a sad girl who was experimented on by S.H.I.E.L.D. And she's being ripped apart by like... Uh, by the by quantum like the, entanglement the, yeah quantum like she's being ripped apart like by the cellular level so it looks like she's always phasing in and out and it looks awesome dude yeah like it's her, so cool like her dad um elias Eggman. <laughs> we found out later that his her dad is Eggman, who's like a comics. really really dumb bad old villain yeah. ant-man villain Ant- i didn't Ant-Man. know he was dr robotnik <laughs> you're, you're not wrong dude <laughs> i don't but get yeah, like, that reference it's sonic villain. sonic that talk <laughs> but yeah so her dad was kicked out of shield he was still doing the experiments Sadly, mom and dad died, but she lives because she got like hit with like some radiation wave, and she can like phase in and out of stuff, which is weird. And they want Pim's lab, which you see in the in the trailer, uh, can shrink and mm-hmm. become it's a, a little. Plot de- it's a plot device. It's a plot yeah. device. I didn't yeah. expect it to be in the whole movie. I thought that was just a, a one a one time gag, but no, yeah. it's a plot device. I like it. It's really good. Uh, so. Uh, so we find out fairly towards the mid that Bill Foster. Uh, Ryan, you called this Bill Foster. I just had a feeling, just is, like man, yeah. it's, it's, it feels like this. He is helping her to kind of siphon the energy of the quantum realm, specifically Janet's energy, yep. uh, to basically like stitch her together so that she could be she could be healed again. Yeah, uh, he's not evil. He's not. He just really no. he he basically is like her adopted father, uh, and he just wants yeah. to be do right by her. Yeah, as as she's yeah kind and of I the, really, yeah. I really like that he wasn't evil because that. 
that made it so much more interesting to watch him that he had strong morals that he stood by and like mm-hmm. reasons for what he was doing. He wasn't just a bad guy. I liked all the antagonists in this movie better than uh, the original Ant Man. Like, one yeah. of the scenes with uh, um, Bill Foster that I like the best is when. Um, uh, Ava, Ghost, if that's her name is Ava, is actually about to go kidnap Cassie and like put her in a hostage that, situation. Yeah. But then Bill's like, no, you lay a finger on her. You and I are done. I will not go down that path. I will help you. I forgive all the stuff you do. She even but- she He even says when he's t- talking to Hank about his plan, uh, Hank's like, it'll kill Janet. Goes, you don't know that. She could live. Mm-hmm. And like he doesn't want to kill Janet, he just knows that the energy is there, and mm-hmm. that's an easy way to get the energy. And and it, we're told that like uh, Ghost doesn't have a long time to live, so like he's under the clock. So like he's not to going to the extremes that she is, but like he still wants to like he's still her dad, like he wants to help her, yeah. and it sucks for him yeah. that she's like turning into this monster in front can of we, him. Can we can we take a, a minute to talk about the the aging tech that Marvel is using Jeez. so much in oh, such Jesus. great ways? I wonder how much this movie costs because, like, it's a pretty like low scale movie. It this all is, went to that. <laughs> this is the this is the most I think we've seen it. Uh, they've de-aged until Captain Marvel, which we've heard about. Uh, they de-aged Hank again. Mm-hmm. Uh, they de-aged uh, Janet Michelle Pfeiffer, and they mm-hmm. de-aged Lawrence Fishburne. Yep. Yep. Um, and I, as soon as I saw Lawrence Fishburne, young uh, Matrix Lawrence Fishburne <laughs> walking to the, walk oh. the screen, I'm all like that hair, and I'm just like, wow, they're they. They're getting really good. It's like they pulled them through time. It looks really... The de-aging technology looks so good. I want to say it it was... um, Was it Tron Legacy like 10 years ago or like 11 years ago? It was like one of the first instances of that. Mm -hmm. They had had Pixar help with that one. Yeah. And like it it looked good then, but if you look at it now, you're like, ooh, it looks like plastic cheese. It was... was, They did did Tron Legacy and then they didn't use it until about... Uh, Sparks, you said Winter Soldier was the same type of technology, right? Uh, Winter Soldier was the same type of technology, except it was used to age up Peggy, not de-age What about Benjamin Button? Different different thing. Different stuff? I would yeah. Think uh, say. I think those were prosthetics. Oh. A lot of no, it, there's CGI there's, there's for sure. CGI? CGI, but a lot of okay. it was prosthetics. Okay, making sure. Okay. okay. But yeah, man, it's like we're to the point where like, man, this is just getting real good. It's yeah, really because like a, a de-aged uh, Tony Stark in Civil War. Yeah, spooky. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's getting. Um, so it was it was Hank, uh, which was I think the first one that we've seen de-aged. Yeah, in Ant Man uh, One, and then uh, Civil War saw us. Uh, um, Robert Downey Jr. Robert Downey Jr. I forgot Tony Stark. And, yeah. and they and they once again aged up Peggy. Uh, they also de-aged. Uh, the other, the the other gentleman. Oh, the you're man, right. The, the the bad guy in Ant Man. The Hydra. The, yeah, yeah. Um. Uh, and then we saw it again. Yeah. Um. We see it. In, we didn't see it in Guardians Black Two. Guardians Two with Kurt Russell. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. We don't see it in Black Panther because they use his son as. That's awesome. Which is yeah. a nice way around that. Uh. So yeah, it's getting so good to the point where I made a joke like, yeah. So when are we just gonna get like a young Luke Skywalker movie where it's just a random guy? It's just like, oh, this is just. Mark Hamill. Well, <laughs> oh my god. Well, the the I think the thing about this technology what's what's predicated on this technology it has to be the actor. Yeah. So it would have to be Mark Hamill and then they would just de-age him. Yeah. Um and uh, I know we're seeing it with uh, Sam Jackson and Clark Gregg and, and Captain Marvel. Oh, I cannot wait for that, dude. Sam Jackson arguably not uh, the easiest person to de-age because you put a you put a wig on him, he or, you're already halfway there. Yeah, right. Yeah. You mean you mean arguably the easiest? The way you said it it sounded like you said not the easiest. Oh, uh, yeah, the arguably yeah. the easiest. I yeah. Um, Sparks, so give me give me some of your thoughts. I know we're we're, we're talking a lot, but I want to hear some of your your finer details because you're you're a deets boy. About de aging? No details. Give me some more deets oh. and stuff you like. Oh, um, Cassie's fantastic. Yeah, dude. yeah, I love her stature yeah. in the comics for anyone for all our young Avengers, listeners. baby. 
Yeah, Cassie's great. Um, the way that she plays with Scott is is one of the things uh, that I think works so well for the film. Paul Rudd felt more comfortable with the humor in this film than he did in the first one. He also yeah, felt, he felt a lot more, more. He felt a lot more confident in general, like the humor and the action. He just felt really just comfortable doing it all now. Yeah. Uh, the thing. So Paul Rudd is a, is like he's a natural comedian, right? That's what he does. Uh, so in Ant Man one, like he's still being a funny guy, but like he's putting on like you know the action hero thing, so he's kind of mm-hmm. subdued. But in this one, he's like, I can be Paul Rudd and be an action hero. Yeah, like yeah. I don't have to subdue anything. I can still be super silly and make silly faces like he does. So it's it's revealed that Janet didn't put a message in in him. He put uh, she put a uh, uh, like antenna, a, an antenna, like antenna, a kind quantum of quantum antenna. Yeah, they're quantum entangled, and and she uses him to talk to Hank and and Hope. And when he when that change happens. What's so great about Paul Rudd, the actor, his whole demeanor changes. He becomes Janet Van Dyne. Like he, he becomes puts, Michelle Pfeiffer. He puts this like sweet smile on, and his like his voice changes tone a little bit. And like when he's yeah. talking to like what does he call her, Jelly Bean? He's like, jelly oh, bean. Jelly Bean. Yeah. I'm like, is that you, Michelle Pfeiffer? That's weird. <laughs> yeah, and, it, and it's it, it makes for some really funny and really sincere moments. Yeah, like, at the same they, time, they really walk that line like, really well. Like, the best, uh, one of the best uh, lines between them is like, wow, first fight in decades ends over just like that. When she's yeah. talking to Hank Pym and even when they're like holding hands together and everything, I'm sitting there going, that's yeah. Paul Rudd, but I and know then, that's Michelle but Pfeiffer. But yeah. Yeah. A lot of people amazing. in the theater, a lot of people in the theater were like, "Oh, yeah. yeah, our theater Janet. was like very reactionary. It was a good, it was a good crowd. They, they, was they, they saw it as it's Janet, yeah. not it's Paul Rudd be, pretending yeah. to be a woman. Yeah, yeah. That's a uh, good um, stuff, man. I also really like Michael Douglas. So he's, do I. he's super funny in this. I think he's really good in this movie. Yeah, dude. Everyone, everyone's really good in this. So, uh, so Brandon, how was school today? Oh man. <laughs> the, the, so going God. back to going back to what we were saying about the the fun that they have with the with the, the shrinking, the shrinking and, and the growing. Uh, there, there's a there's a regulator problem in Scott's new suit, and <laughs> he shrinks to like the size of a toddler, and he gets in the van, and Michael Douglas just goes, "How was school, champ?" Well, like he shrinks and he can't and he can't grow, so he's like walking through the school, like wearing the some kid's hoodie found in Lost and Found, and some teacher's like, "Where's your hall pass?" And, and he, he just, just runs. And Janet is having a lot of fun, like when he's trying to reach for the backpack. Janet's like, "You can do it. You got it." <laughs> yeah, dude. Uh, uh, world's greatest grandma. World's greatest. Like, grandma. there's so much. This is a makes me want to knit you a sweater. Yeah, this is a very sharp script, man. It's very good. Yeah, it's just by like what, four people. Just like five. Yeah. yeah. So, so fun fact: if it's an ampersand, they mean they wrote it together. If it's and, then they wrote it separately and combined the scripts. Interesting. So there's two scripts that they combined together. Interesting. Okay. And it actually worked out. Same thing with Spider-Man: Homecoming. It's the same way. Spider-Man: Homecoming has a lot of people. Yeah. yeah. So I guess sometimes committees do work. I guess. But don't let, tell the Last Jedi. <laughs> But seriously, that script was just so tight, and the, the one-liners, I don't know how much of it was improv, how much was written. Like, the scene with Cassie, when right before uh, Paul Rudd goes to help um, Hank and uh, Hope to get the lab back, she looks at him, she's like, you can do anything. You're the world's best grandma. I'm like, yeah. Did this, is, oh, this movie is so Cassie's on face when, when, when she's like, you could, you could use a partner. Yeah, she's, she, she hates me. Who are you talking about? <laughs> oh, are you thinking about you? And like everyone in the theater didn't Aww. laugh. They were like, "Oh, yeah, Cassie, sweet." Cassie is such a so good in this. Yeah. She um, is. Um, there, so I don't, I don't really have any real negatives. But at, like at the same time, I don't think I. You know, I want to ask. Yeah. Uh, and this is for everyone. Yeah. Um, not just you, Ryan. Yes. Um, Only me. Walton Goggins. Yes. Uh. He's been in two films this year so far. He was he was the bad guy in Tomb Raider. Tomb Raider. And yeah, that's he um, did ca- typecast it like that. So did we like him better in this? Yes. Oh, most certainly. I mean, he's he's kind of playing the same character, but like he, I, I 
the flow and the comedy yeah. worked better for me. Spark, yeah. Sparks, what, uh, did you think so? Uh, yeah, I think Walt- Walton Goggins is a really talented actor, and I think he can make a lot of he can stretch a lot of character out of very little given to him in a script, and I think that's something that happens in both Tomb Raider and here. So, although his character is not written to be very present and strong, he brings presence to it. Yeah, there's a lot of threads in this movie. I just I, I want to bring up. There's a lot of threads in this movie mm-hmm. that come together really well. Yeah, and sometimes you'll see like a thread will be dropped, but there, there every thread is prevalent is prevalent when they show up and you see them. Uh, like when they're when they in- inject Luis with the truth serum. Oh man, and then it's not truth serum. It's not truth serum. When when Ghost shows up in that sequence and everyone yeah. flips their shit. Oh, it's so funny. Ba- Baba Yaga. <laughs> and yeah, the the Russian. John Wick. Yeah, Baba Yaga. <laughs> Yeah, uh, they they get a lot of good play. Um, I, Dude, Lewis, like, Lewis again is like kill, kills in this Michael movie. Michael Payne is amazing. Michael, yeah, mm-hmm. he's a dramatic actor. Sparks too, which is crazy. Sparks, do you agree with me in this one? Uh, I know you brought this up with Incredibles two. Uh, in Incredibles two, you were like, it doesn't feel like fan service. All the pieces that were in the first one were in this one that were just just as uh, just the right amount. Uh, did you feel this way about? Did you feel that way about Ant Man and the Wasp? Because I I certainly did. Yeah, I don't feel like any of the callbacks to the first film were were too over overplayed or overhanded. Like it e- it easily could have been done if Luis had done like one more I'm gonna tell my story where I'm dubbing over everybody. If they'd done one more of those, it would have been too much kind of thing. Or yeah. or some other moments, but uh I thought everything played pretty well. Yeah, I agree with that one. You, would you guys as well? I agree hundred percent, yeah. Um so yeah, I like I said, I I don't really have too many negatives, but at the same time like I really like this movie, but I don't think it like there's ever like a ten out of ten moment. Like it just the entire ride through is really good. It's a lot of fun, and like yeah. I said, the, the the action sequences are very inventive with ghosts, with the tra- with the car chases, um, with, with the thing in the water uh, when Paul Rudd was super big. Uh-huh. Oh yeah, yeah. I thought that was where fun. he was like a whale. Where he where people thought he was a whale, and yeah. then he's like, no, nope, no, nope, I'm that not that a whale. Announcer was was a was a guy. Tim Hedeker, yeah, from Tim and Eric Awesome Show, great job. Interesting. Yeah, he's a super funny. Wait, comedian. is that the title, or did you just call him the show? Of, no, it's the title of the show. Tim okay. and Eric awesome show, great job. It's uh, he's a really funny like uh, skit comedy guy. Oh, that's cool. So it's cool that uh, with the guy on the boat with yeah. the microphone. Oh, yep. that's cool. Uh, Sparks. Uh, I'm. Yeah. I didn't get to write a lot of notes for this for this movie, uh, and I'm feeling like Ryan. This one, I don't really have a lot of negative stuff to say about this one. Um, what about? Do you have anything negative you want to bring up? Because um, if not, no, not a lot. I thought it worked really well. Um, Obviously, like Walton Goggins, like I said, his character could have been written stronger. I don't know. I don't know what was up with his henchman who liked keeping his necklace in his mouth. I noticed, I noticed that. that too. Yeah, I saw that. Weird character choice. That was probably uh, just like a. I mean, or but something. it was a character choice. It stood out. I'm like, neat. He's yeah. got like a thing going on. So <laughs> good for him. Um, no, I think that the only things that that got to me is um, I accept it, but there's kind of like a weird convenience to Foster and Ghost knowing about the quantum tunnel and, and what they're doing so intimately. Right. Um, and that Janet is alive and everything. I'm like, I mean, whatever, it's fine. Move it along. I, um, uh, yeah, I would agree with that. I also, I, I was the first time I was, I was kind of thinking about this, uh, it doesn't necessarily bug me, but it is interesting that uh, Kat, uh, Judy Greer and um, what's what's his name? Bobby Cannavale. Uh, aren't a big part in this one, like they were in the first one. Yeah. Um, but it I'll makes sense. I think they're in it the right amount, and I like that their relationship clearly evolved with Scott. Yeah, and yeah. And, and, and I love that Bobby goes in for the group hug every time because yeah. he's also good friends of Paul Rudd now. Yeah. Uh, I think that's fun. Like <laughs> they're not in there a lot, but yeah, like, how did you how did you do that? Yeah. Oh yeah, the the, <laughs> the, the mag- close up magic. Oh stuff. yeah. 
Oh, the magic! Dude. No, I actually oh. love how uh, Judy Gray's character and uh, um, Bob's character, they actually, because in the beginning, they were kind of like, oh, like, yeah, it's the ex-husband, blah, 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 share custody, yada, yada, yada. But now it's like, no, we're cool with him, and we actually like seeing him. And, like, every time he says, hey, how's it going, buddy? Hey, he always calls him buddy. He never hey, calls buddy. him He never calls him Scott. Yeah. Yeah, I, I like, um, but yeah, the close-up match is like, because Paul Rudd is under house arrest, uh, mm-hmm. and he's entering casting. He's like, you try and entertain his head when you can't leave the house. I had to learn close-up magic. I learned that. Yeah. I love Randall Park's character in this movie. Yeah, yeah, Randall, he, Randall, Randall Park is uh, Agent Wu, right? Yeah. Yeah, he just goes, how'd you do that? <laughs> like, so, uh, so at the end of the movie, when like, so he's like, all right, it's like after Scott's free, he's like, all right, Scott, I'll see you later. And, and Scott's like, what do you mean I'll see you later? It's like, uh, well, uh, he, I just, like, you know, next time I see you, like, next time you do something wrong, like, uh, like I'll Oh, I thought you were inviting like, me to, to I think, dinner. I why think would I should go to dinner. Yeah, why would I invite you to dinner? Do you want to go to dinner? <laughs> no, I don't want to go to dinner. Like, that had me... Dude, that was killing me. Like yeah. every every small character, like I have. N- I kind of felt like Randall Park will always like was like, okay, we got him this time. We got him. He just wanted to win. He yeah. just wanted to win. Yeah. To win. <laughs> and then he's leaving. He's like, hey, be a good, hey, be a good person. Yay. All right. So we've been talking a lot about this, but we, we haven't brought hope. up. Oh, I was gonna say go to Janet. Uh, oh, hope and I, Janet. I, yeah. I mean, okay, I'm jumping back because I got kind of cut off while I was talking. Sorry, dude. Go ahead. Sorry, buddy. Any negatives I had? No, it was Brandon. Um. Anyway, <laughs> I said sorry. Uh, when when the uh, regulator shifts are happening to Scott, he changes size without having to have the helmet on, which bothered me a little, only because it was such a point in the first one. Okay, um, actually, did you did you get a chance to see the film a second time? The Ant Man and the Wasp a second time? Yeah. No. Okay. Uh, well, I, I know we agreed on that one, but I was watching it pretty closely this time around. That actually doesn't happen when he shrinks in the closet. Which is kind of the one that I, I thought that maybe that was the time. The the helmet quickly goes on, so it looks like the helmet. It looks like there's a there's a mechanism in the suit. It does it automatically. It will does it do it automatically oh. if you push the button. Because it happened. Because I noticed that too. But because whenever they they shift really quickly, it happens almost instantaneously. Yeah. With Hope and Ant Man. Yeah. yeah. So it's like <laughs> a quick thing, and then they shrink. Yeah. Okay. Well, nonetheless, I still have an issue. Did they explain why they didn't use the original suit? Later in the film? No, they did not. I yeah, okay. they did not. Yeah, I'm I, I mean, I love everything that happens because the suit's malfunctioning from the regulator. Yeah. But but once they had the original suit, I didn't understand why he wasn't just wearing the original suit. That's a good question, yeah. Did you destroy the suit, Scott? <laughs> yes. Why would you destroy the suit, Scott? That was my life's work. Hey, uh, I couldn't destroy it, it was your I, life's work. What what if we did? You, you didn't, didn't destroy, destroy the suit. <laughs> it's your life's work, Hank. I couldn't destroy it. Yeah, dude. That was great. Uh any anything else you wanted to bring up, Sparks? No, I guess that covers it in negatives. Um, all right, then let's bring up uh, let's bring up Hope, and then we'll go to Janet. Uh, she's still feisty. She's still like just as competent, if not more, than Scott. And Scott's like, Man, she kicks ass. She's like, yeah, yeah. And like oh, the joke in the trailer, like you gave her wings and blasters. Did you have that when I with with me? I did. I did. But I did. You, you didn't need it. <laughs> like I think that's great stuff. Um, you, you know, you know uh, what is impressive with this script is that it's very easy when you're writing a, a love story where the characters have fallen apart to overplay the the guy like when the guy is the one who's done something wrong winning over the girl or even vice versa jurassic like world. to overplay that moment no no no, no. jurassic world is a uh, jurassic world is underplaying that entirely and not putting enough emotional development into it oh, okay. um but but other films will tend to do it uh to to an extreme degree you know where like he has to do something really ridiculous to win her over everything in this is just really natural how their relationship brings them back together yes yeah, I agree. I like that a lot. 
And I also like how there's like a sudden, a uh, subtle jealousy that Evangeline Lily Hope has of to Scott of not of him not asking her to come with him. To it Germany. wasn't that it's not that she's jealous that she didn't go to Germany. She's she's upset or, he didn't ask. Okay, yeah. yeah, jealousy was the wrong word. It was the fact that he didn't ask. Yeah, yeah jealousy that, was the wrong that's, word. My that's bad. what I that's what I like is she's like you never asked me. Yeah. We yeah. were partners. I would have been there for you, dude. Yeah, and I, I like the I like that a lot because it, what what Sparks was saying like. In in take Jurassic World because it's more more relevant more relevant in my mind. It doesn't make sense why Bryce Dallas Howard and Chris Pratt broke up, uh, because just to get back together at the end of the movie. So they can have that shot of him building that. house Yeah, whatever. Again. <laughs> but like, when we see Evangeline Lilly, like Hank and Hope are upset with Scott because he went to Germany. Yeah. And without their permission, without their advice, without he like ruined their lives. He ruined their lives. Yeah. And that is is a viable reason. Like you're going to be upset with someone, but you still like that person. So you're just like, well, you know. Yeah. Oh, and Scott was doing it for the right reasons. And, mm-hmm. and neither of them, neither of them, ever behaved outside of their character normals in order to have that relationship kind of come back together naturally. Like neither of them did something so weird to it didn't become the focus for them. You know? Yeah, I like that a lot. And it's really, it's really easy for scripts to to do that kind of dumb stuff, and I'm glad this one didn't. Um, let's talk about Janet, Michelle Pfeiffer. Interesting power set. Not in the comics. Definitely, she's a regular person in the comics. Well, the only if I, I had, had to, I asked, I, I, I knew that, but no, I was yeah. like, I no, should yeah. ask to make sure. No, yeah. Now this might be my only negative of the movie is um, Janet's powers. It's super confusing, but Which like, I, I might, it is setting up. It is setting up something for a third film. Okay. Absolutely, hundred percent. But I mean, and, I've only seen this for expansion of the quantum realm. Okay, but I've only seen this movie once, so I wouldn't. So I probably wouldn't catch like a certain line of dialogue or a, a certain little. She says it evolves her. Yeah, it evolves you. Yeah. So I, I did catch that, but then I was like, huh, "What does that mean?" And then of course I'm thinking to myself, "How did you survive in this quantum realm for over thirty years?" Did you see that we, sword? That was a, that was a cool sword made yeah. out of her wings. Yeah, but then of course you get to the scene when uh, uh Hank first gets oh, there and man, he goes Hank. and he's about to go crazy and then finally there comes Janet. He she takes the helmet off him so obviously he can breathe in the quantum realm. Yeah, I, I think it's I because I think the quantum realm is subatomic. Mm-hmm. There's, I mean, okay, I'm just I'm extrapolating because there should be no air. Yeah, but well, the, the, he he passes a point like called the the void, void right? Yeah. 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 And it's past the void the where wasteland. he's able to take the helmet off. Okay. Yeah. So I'll extrapolate it, but because in the comics, it's 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 definitely mentioned that if if you, the reason why the helmet exists is because the air molecules are so large when you're when you're small that you need the helmet to help you breathe, mm-hmm. which I think is why why they get so tired when they're that big because yeah. the air molecules are so small that yeah. you can't. Um, so that was that was interesting. But when you're in the quantum realm, yeah, I think Sparks, you're right that the idea is that. Because you're kind of outside of t- of normal space and time, mm-hmm. that it the rules are different there. Okay, yeah. Like they still say time time moves differently. It's basically there. like the negative zone. Yeah, it's or like, the dark dimension. Yeah, same. Yeah, yeah she did say uh, like when beautiful design by the way. Oh, beautiful! It reminded me of Doctor Strange. Yeah. Um, what she did, I did say that she I did catch that she said that time moves differently in that part of the quantum realm, but also what I really really like, and this was a trope that I remember you saying earlier that you absolutely hate. Oh yeah, is they brought another pair back and they didn't kill off the other one. Because when the diver, when the the like the the quantum sub, air quotes, <laughs> yeah. came back, looked very Fantastic Four, did it not? Oh, dude, Peyton Reed's been talking hard about oh, Fantastic yeah. Four. Yeah. So when the so-called quantum sub comes back and Janet comes out, I'm thinking, wait, where's Hank? Where is he? And then of course he's like, oh no, I'm I'm fine too. Don't worry about me. I didn't just come back from wherever to bring my wife back from. Speaking there. speaking of tropes, uh, did you guys like how they they kind of made fun of the sunglass hat? Uh, sorry, oh, yeah. You just oh, look yeah. like yourself at a baseball game. <laughs> yeah. yeah. 
Um, I thought that was pretty funny. Yeah. I also was scared because they did the same thing in the first one where where Hank gets shot, uh, and like he survives. So I'm like, they're not gonna do that again, are they? Uh, but like after, I like, like his suit. Yeah, it's like a very old school looking Ant Man yeah. suit. It's cool. Uh, I I did I did temporarily get nervous for Hank's life when uh, Ghost had her fist through his throat. Oh, me yeah. too. Me, me too. too. I was definitely scared. Just for, just for yeah. a moment, I was like, oh my god, no. Yeah. Man, what a cool power set. Like, what a cool character. Mm-hmm. We didn't talk about it, but like when she walks away, there's like an after effect or a, yeah. or a, that uh, or effect about a. Uh, uh, her like when she when she goes to like run after the run after the car run after the car chase her smile lingers for a yeah. second or yeah. when she when she is going through a building she pushes open the doors but she doesn't actually do it she just phases through it but you see her pushing it open yeah dude it's just like it's yeah. so cool it's or, or when me. she's having or when she's having a breakdown and you see her getting upset and you see like a second version of her face screaming even louder yeah mm-hmm. yeah. yeah it's so good it's reminding me I, of uh real quick uh uh the underverse chronicles of riddick like when that guy fights yeah like kind of like that absolutely more of that stuff no i would love to see the the behind the scenes of how they film that because props to who the um the visual effects team. there's a lot of overlaying of, of i'm sure he just does it like a million different times i'm pretty sure but yeah. i would love to see that because that that those digital effects were amazing yeah dude yeah. and like they were the way and specifically when when ghost is fighting oh. Speaking of visual effects, by yeah. the way, the how whenever they in- interact with young or with smaller big Scott, it like mm-hmm. feels like a real person yeah. is smaller yeah. big. Yeah. You know, like there's there's people talk about there's some dodgy CGI in a lot of the Marvel movies, and that well that is true. Like Black Panther, sometimes the suit does not look very good. Not this one, uh, but this one I didn't. It's pretty good. I, it's really good, yeah. and probably because it is a lower budget and easier. We've had a long time to to, to, to deal with scale. Lord of the Rings does it all the time. Yes. Like we've had a long time to just like uh, deal with scale in movies and like and yeah. like this. So I think that. That was probably helping them a lot. Anyway, sorry. sorry I, didn't I don't remember what I was talking about. I'm so sorry. No, it's it's it's, it's okay. I've talked, I've talked a lot about this. Um, it, if I can extrapolate about the quantum realm, other than you know the obvious Peyton Reed wants Fantastic Four, so this is obvious setup for potential Fantastic Four. They left a couple of open avenues for the Fantastic uh, Four to um, show up. They, yeah, but um, the the comment about uh, Janet if, it, it making her evolve. If there were to be some kind of event that caused energy to spot from the quantum realm on earth when and that made people evolve well that could be x-men very very much oh interesting okay man this could be how we get that could be how we suddenly get mutants it isn't it is interesting that the quantum realm um for the fantastic four they've got like they could go the captain marvel route they could go to the janet van dyne route uh mutants yeah they could definitely go with the quantum realm thing like that um did we like how much janet was in the movie and then, and then, um, uh, two, two A. Um, <laughs> Good. Reference. Did we, uh, did we want her out of the marketing, specifically posters because she wasn't in the trailers? She was. I honestly, I expected her to be in the movie more just because she was on the poster. But I'm, I'm not mad with the amount I got. To be honest, I was perfectly happy. If, if she were to be evil or die at the end of this movie, then I would have wanted her in it more. But considering that she's alive and good at the end of the film, I'm I'm fine with it because that means we're still going to get more of her at a later date. That's awesome. Right. Uh, I yeah. think she was in it for the perfect amount because of that, because mm-hmm. of that being the story. I, I agree. I kind of feel, I kind of wish in an alternate reality where people cared about, about keeping things out of movie, out yeah. of movie uh, marketing, um, I would have really liked to have gone in not knowing Michelle Fiverr was in the film and seeing young Janet and then seeing her and then not wondering... Oh my God! Are they going to get her back? Are yeah. they going to do this? We knew Michelle Pfeiffer was cast as Janet Van Dyne before that movie started. Yeah. Yeah. Here's here's yeah. what I wish. 
I, I, there's no way to avoid knowing Michelle Pfeiffer was in the movie in this day and age. What I would have liked is if the only things we ever saw in marketing were from the flashback where she's young. Oh, yeah. And so we never knew if they found her. We, could, we would know she was in flashback scenes, but we wouldn't be able to guarantee she came back. That's Yeah, another thing about that is so weird because she's not in the trailers, but she's on that poster. Like, like there's Michelle Where'd Pfeiffer. Where'd she get the outfit? Isn't that her original Ant-Man Ant- Ant- outfit? It is. That's the thing over her. Over her outfit. The cloak? Yeah. Could be from, uh, we'll find out on Ant-Man. The cloak? <laughs> Um, all right, so uh, let's wrap this up uh, um, with a discussion oh. with a discussion of the post credit scene. Ooh, real quick, one thing I'm gonna talk about Ghost. Yes, uh, this is one thing I really like about Ghost. It's the first villain since Loki to be like not a villain anymore. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. hey, I just want to like fix myself if I can yeah. be a good guy. Yeah, a great, a great antagonist. One yeah. of the things I really li- I liked about Ghost is like you look at a, a villains like a Killmonger or a Thanos. Killmonger. Wait, would you count Bucky? As what? I'm sorry. As as, a, as an antagonist turn turn <laughs> hero. Yes. I would too. Yes, mm-hmm. he's yeah, but I mean Loki and like go back to Avengers one. He wanted to Don't just tweet us. He wanted to, <laughs> he wanted to control, control the world. That of uh, Killmonger, another great Marvel villain. He really wants. He just wants to control like the sun will not send another Wakandan Empire. Thanos, hey, I'm just gonna erase half the. Are you gonna say again that we like that it's small stakes and that the character doesn't want to control the world? I was gonna say <laughs> that I like the point where all she cared about was her own well being. So essentially, rewarding what you guys said. God damn it! You rewarding said. what you said, Ben, is what I was trying to. This is what I was trying to get at. You yeah. said that uh, earlier. Um, so let's um, let's talk about the post credit scene. Which one? The first one. <laughs> what a way! What a way! I we, this we movie were, is a comedy. We were joking about this that it could happen. And I even I even speculated that I think that the post credit scenes of Ant Man and the Wasp and Captain Marvel will will be very similar with the fading away. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did not expect all three Pims to die. Nope. Yeah, that's rough. <laughs> I think the best part was the lead in and then Scott's in there and then you hear the radio go He's silent. He's in the quantum realm. He's in the quantum realm and he gets like the healing dust or whatever. <laughs> and then the radio goes silent and then the, there was like multiple people in our theater watching this today <laughs> yelling, what? No! No! What the <laughs> F just happened? And it wasn't even like a full theater but it was a, it was a loud theater. Like yeah. people were freaking out out yeah and you saw the and then of course you it's the camera lingers on scott for a little while and he's just like floating in the quantum realm and then it jump cuts to the ashes falling and the the microphone just like uh swinging Mm. swinging by the cord it's with scott yelling into it it's a real because you're like okay i'm in the wasp is it's a breather from infinity war and then all of a sudden you're like we're back remember infinity war remember two months ago We'll never let you forget. Thanos is in the background flipping you off with the Infinity Gauntlet. He's just like, I bet you forgot. Sparks, uh, how would you feel about the post-credit scene? Um, I thought it was pretty good. I'm very curious about how Ant-Man's going to factor in if he's going to go through a time vortex since um, Janet hit that word so hard. Yeah, right. She looked at the the camera, basically. Yeah, I know. And so I'm like, I'm I'm wondering if that's going to have something to do with it. I I told you this, Brandon, that I kind of wish... uh, I kind of what I wanted was for Hank to be the one left because I wanted to see Hank have to gear up and and That'd do be things. So wicked uh, to I get think, them. Yeah, uh, I think Scott's only left because he was in the quantum realm. I think he was protected essentially. Ooh, interesting. That's my theory. That's I mean, he theory. also he also just might have made the cut. Yeah, like just barely made the cut. Oh no, wait, wait, <laughs> get smart. I just watched that recently. I just watched that again recently. Missed it by that much. There you go. <laughs> Um, yeah, and then the second post-credit scene is uh, post it, that in, in the a, trailer, and an ant is it's playing the drums. 
That's so good. Some black comedy. That's the best. You dude. you hear like here that's like San Francisco is quiet. I thought that was gonna go to Cassie's uh, mom's house, and you were gonna hear like someone screaming. But no, it's I, it's Scott's house, and then you hear like the um the tone for the emergency broadcast ooh. system, and then of course it just keeps panning through, and you're thinking what's gonna happen? It's just. But the, then you the hear the playing the drums, having a great time. I I immediately knew because it was in the trailer and it wasn't in the movie, and I hear the I'm like oh my god. Is this how they're really going to end this movie? <laughs> and yeah, then, yeah. And then Ant-Man and the Wasp will return? Well, Question return? mark? Oh. Question mark. That's yeah. great. That's fantastic. Uh, I, I told Brandon this. I kind of wish that when it was panning over for the ant on the drums, especially because it was in the trailer, that what had been added is a on a voice machine, you just hear Cassie, and she's calling for Scott because uh, her mom and her stepdad just disappeared into action. Oh, that'd be her. so oh. sad. Right? Oh, yeah. my God. Dad, Dad, That's- where are you? Like the whole That's movie just dark. is no, the whole movie is a feel good, a suspenseful, like oh this is great ride, and then once you get to that post credit scene, it just squishes it. Do you guys remember Infinity War and your <laughs> sadness? Well, final thoughts and ratings. Uh, Sparks, mm. do you want to go first this time? Yes. Oh, uh, yeah. Okay. All right, go first. Um, uh, yeah, I thought I I stand by that. I think it's uh, probably Marvel's funniest film just because it's it's paced really well and it's it is I think the one that's the most dedicated to being a comedy out and out. Um, and all of it plays really well. All of the jokes play really really well. Uh, all of the characters are stronger. I think that the relationships between characters and just their comfortability comes across a lot more this round than it did in the original Ant Man. Um, whether that's just because of their familiarity with each other or the script or whatnot, uh, it all just works a lot, a lot better here. I think this is a really solid film. I think it's a lot of fun. It's probably one of the easiest Marvel films to just jump in and watch without watching any of the others. Uh, and I think that's really impressive. And more than anything, I think it's impressive that we're two movies into an Ant-Man series and both of them are really good. And this one was really, really good. And we're, we're just enjoying these characters so much and it's freaking Ant-Man and that's great. Right. Um, yeah. So I'd have to, I think I got to give it a 9.5. Wow. Yeah. Hi. Yep. Uh, Ryan. I, uh, I really, really, really like this movie a lot. Um, it has a really great Iron Man villain that I was scared they were going to ruin. They didn't ruin. If anything, they they made it better than just being a cool, you know, side comic character. Um, you said in the comics he doesn't even have a identity. He doesn't have an identity. He's just a cool, a cool hacker man. Um, so uh, all the character interactions are great. All the chemistry is great. Uh, all the quantum realm stuff is really cool looking, really visually stunning. Um, I like all the the uh, reverse technology. Everyone looks young again. Just keep it coming. Make me feel uncomfortable. It's I love it. Um, I would I. Uh, I'll give this movie a solid nine. Uh, it's you know it's not like the depths or like depth the heights of like Infinity War's insanity, but like it's a very different movie that's that still satisfied me a lot. So a nine. Ben, I absolutely love the jokes. I love the ref- I love a, the few little how I love how everything in this movie gets tied up. Even the Baba Yaga sequence Baba in the Yaga. beginning, where the Russian guy is just saying like like Baba Yaga, <laughs> the witch. He, she, they tell the children. That dude's and then the very end, kills me. And then when when a ghost shows up during the interrogation, he goes Baba Yaga. <laughs> everything in this movie gets tied up like um the even the scene with the truce here where the indian the indian gentleman is he indian or or yeah sure yeah, yeah. well 
that gentleman where he ke- where he keeps talking about saying that the true serum doesn't exist, and then at the end of the movie, the all the three bad guys and even Walton Goggins is like, "Oh yeah, I've done some horrible things. And <laughs> yeah. I have broke and at my restaurant, I have broken health code violations. Some so of which you would astound you." <laughs> yeah, and then of course he, the henchman looks at the needle. He goes, "It is a true serum." Like everything, like when they when they get Janet back, they get the house on the beach, and they, oh, everyone it's so cute. Like up until that last post credit scene, everyone has a happy ending, and it just it's awesome. And I was really looking for it's once again, I was really looking forward to this movie. I was didn't think I was gonna like it as much. I absolutely love it. Easy a nine. Wow. All right. Uh, yeah. Real I, quick, oh. what is the funniest Marvel movie to you, Guardians? Uh. Because what I don't Thor think Thor Ragnarok. Oh, I, yeah, Thor is hilarious. I think Thor Ragnarok. I might find Thor Ragnarok. Mm. I Thor Ragnarok has the New Zealand comedy of Taika Waititi, and I love that type of comedy. Yeah. So I think I, I agree think with Thor, Thor this and this Thor, this and Thor Ragnarok are pretty much equal for me. Honestly, looking back on it, I can't anyway. believe Ant Man's one of the best movies in Marvel's ever made. Yeah, Man and the Wasp. I can't right? believe it. Yeah, I think this is this is one. This is definitely one of the better tier Marvel films. Uh, certainly one of the better sequels. Um, I. I really had a lot of fun in this one. I love the house, how low, sca- low stakes it was, Ben. Um, and uh, I just want to say uh, I love how many threads there were in this film, but none of them were dropped. They all tied up very nicely. Um, uh, very few plot holes. I, that I didn't see a whole lot. Um, certainly the the uh, the cast was great. They gave it their all. Michael Douglas and Paul Rudd are so, are so good in this movie specifically. They were the standouts for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I just want to quick mention the end credits sequence uh, the with the toys was awesome. Yeah. That oh, was super cool. Like little yeah. fun dioramas basically. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I would give it a, prob- uh, mm, an 8. I could be convinced uh, to an 8.5. I'll convince you later. All right. uh, oh. <laughs> they got a little dirty. Hey, welcome to the Fake Nerd comic book store. Can I help you find anything today? Yeah. Hi. Um... Do you have any books? Can you be more specific? Um, anything readable? Well, I guess that means it's time now for our book club. Yes. I've been told this is your favorite part of the week. It is. It's my favorite. It's my favorite segment of the show. Thank yes. you for remembering that. I try. Um, in honor of Harlan Ellison's passing, uh, I chose a, the adaptation of his original script for the City on the Edge of Forever, which was one of the more famous Star Trek episodes. Uh, seen as one of the best, one of the best Star Trek episodes. Um, Very different than the actual episode. Yes, this is the original script that he did, and it, it was adapted by J.K. Woodward and uh, the Dave and Scott Tipton. The uh, Tiptons, the, the same creative team who did Star Trek: Mirror Broken. Yeah, mm-hmm. boy. I, I did not do that on purpose. Buff Picard. Uh, I did not mean for for Harlan Ellison to die. <laughs> Sorry, thanks, Brandon. You're welcome. <laughs> Wait, what? What? <laughs> what? So, um, the episode. Uh, starts with them trying to figure out a discrepancy in the... I'm going to re- really qu- quickly talk about how the episode starts and then we'll go into the book. A uh, discrepancy in like the time-space continuum that they're trying to do or whatever. And uh, something happens to the console and Sulu gets hurt. Uh, McCoy comes to the bridge and puts tricordazine or, or whatever in, into his, his system and he's like, I'm only going to do two CCs. And Kirk's like, that's dangerous stuff. Tricordazine? Sure. From a tricorder? No. Okay. Um, quarter scene or whatever, <laughs> um, and uh, he, he uh, he's like, this 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 won't this won't heal him. Uh, this won't this won't hurt him. It'll just pump his blood. It was his blood pumping or whatever. But a lot of it will will really will really do something crazy to you. Okay. And so what does that what has happened? McCoy accidentally injects himself with too much of the too much of the quarter scene. Okay. And becomes crazy, beams down to the planet, goes back to the past, screws up all the time. Okay, now I'm starting to see similar things. Too so that's that's Sulu who does this. 
No, that's McCoy. Oh, that's McCoy. So it's not it. Beckwith. <laughs> no. Okay. <laughs> well, the original script uh, has a character named Beckwith who is a drug dealer on the Enterprise. Yep. Mm-hmm. How'd he get on there? Well, he's just a crewman. Oh. I thought there was like a vetting process to get like all good people and stuff. Well, they say they say uh, in the beginning is like the last psych evaluation was two years ago. Oh, okay, you space right. it, it blah blah blah. Okay. Uh, the idea was that there was going to be a drug dealer on the Enterprise, and he was going to get caught, and uh, he was going to escape to the past, and that's how they changed the future. Um, but Gene Roddenberry took umbrage with that. He really didn't like that the idea that there would be a drug dealer in the Federation, mm-hmm. um, and he forced the rewrites. Um, Sparks, you watched the episode and uh, read the book. In, Ooh. Uh, what What do you think was better? The book. Interesting. Why? Um, because the McCoy stuff is kind of distracting when you have the book story to compare it to. Um, y- you just you feel it. Uh, the book version. How can I sum this up best? The book version is like a timeless story and the television show version of this story is very dated and stuck in having to do these certain things for the television show. Right. So what do, what did you guys think of the, of the, of the book? I liked Just it. Just on its own. I liked it. it. It definitely felt like a, a very wordy, uh, uh, old Star Trek episode. Yeah. And I can definitely tell like a lot of the stuff is like, it felt yeah. better. Yeah, like a good, like a, not not that the old Star Trek isn't good, but like, you know, it's definitely an old and corny kind of show. And like Harlan Ellison, he wrote it in that way, but like, he's such a good writer, like it transcends it. And the speech that he does with Spock is awesome. Oh, that's yeah. Such a good, I just, I a, just turned to this page. Yeah, it's, I love that stuff. Spock is trying to tell him, you know. Like, you're in love with this woman from the lo- past. You're, you're in, in love with this program and you shouldn't be. You're going to destroy us. How they do it is just dark pages, but with the two talking heads just talking to each other, making faces and doing yeah. And like the different, like. And it's uh, beautiful. Yeah, all like different like facial animations are like they're like talking about like they're like what they're emoting and like in this dark space. Yeah. It's really cool. So in the in the television episode, uh, they just come across the girl by chance, and she just comes upon them. And there's no explanation in the television show that they'll they'll be drawn to her because she's the, the catalyst thing of time. No, they just they just happen to meet her, and then he happens to fall in love with her. Uh, and then they happen to f- uh, find McCoy attached to her. A lot of happens. But, uh, um, but in the story, uh, in the graphic novel, it's it's very well paced out that like Kirk, Kirk chooses to get himself so involved in this, and and what happens to him, and uh, ultimately, I mean, I'm jumping forward a bit, but the the end of the book uh, when she needs to die, Kirk can't do it, and Spock has to do it. But in the show. Uh, Kirk does find the strength to stop McCoy from from saving her life. Uh, I like in the book that he ultimately still couldn't do it, even though he knew what was at stake. <laughs> he had like a gun, and then Spock had a gun. Yeah, and then Kirk's like, "What the hell are you doing, dude? <laughs> like, yeah. This woman must die for the future." Ben, what did you think of it? Well, that <clears throat> excuse me, this is actually my second time reading it. Uh, the first time I read it is when Brandon was getting the the issues, and as I was reading it. I was really enjoying it because Brandon, you told me about how this was this was a Star Trek episode that was heavily rewritten, heavily edited to what it was originally supposed to be, and I never, I still to stay haven't seen the episode, and I kind of want to watch it now. But as I was reading it, even reading it a second time, I was like, man, this this is a would have been a really really good Star Trek episode. It's good. It's good old sci-fi. Like, I know it's. I mean, it's got that old sci-fi campiness of like when they first get to the planet, and Kirk's like, it looks like a city. 
on the edge of forever. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to lie. That kind of got me. I'm like, like, wow, it looks like the title of this book. I'm yeah. like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, Kirk. Yeah, Kirk. So in the in the episode, due to budgetary constraints, uh, mm-hmm. it, the gate is, is uh, the the guardian is a gate that talks. Uh, and they they talk about ruins, but you don't see any ruins. Yeah, you see one broken column. It's ruiny. Yeah, and so this one they actually were able to because it was uh, it was art. They were able to design ruins, yeah. and it was a, it was a destroyed city. And the guardian, it's the guardians uh, of forever, and it's these older, wiser men. Uh, who control the flow of time? Yeah, I love how they're and like Kirk is talking to him. He's like, he's like, can you show us? And then of course the old man's like, we have no desire but to show it to you. <laughs> and then like they see the dinosaurs, they see a ship sailing on the the high seas, they yeah. see 1930s um, America, and then of course uh, Bright. What they were able to, and one of the differences in the in the in the show episode, the the uh, images. Are on a loop. They they keep going. Mm-hmm. They keep being shown, and they can't stop. Whereas in this yeah. the, the book, they can stop the images. Here's here's this point in your history. Yeah, it's a it yeah. puts time travel in a very interesting in a, in a way of of visualizing it. It's essentially, essentially a butterfly effect episode. Hundred percent. Um, because yeah. what happens is Beckwith goes back in time in the book. Sorry, uh, and uh, Beckwith goes back in time and stops the death of Edith Keeler, mm-hmm. and uh, it, somehow. Through blah 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 blah, blah uh, she causes the uh, Earth to never reach heights of peace. So and she has to die. Now uh, there are pirates on on on. Did did you just not want to explain why or? Yeah, I wanted to skip that part. Oh, okay. Um, it is explained that that she. Um, I can't. Expl- the reason why I don't know is because I can't explain it very succinctly. Why don't oh, you give okay. it a shot? Uh, uh, so what it is is that her words of like how they should treat each other in peace spread far enough to um, make uh, America decide to stay out of the war for two extra years, and that makes Germany get to uh, nuclear power first and atomic bombs first, and they win the war. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Did you guys read the book? Come on! I did. I just don't. No, I, I did, dude. I read this. Th- I, know, I read kidding, this book at like two a.m. That that part that part is more clearly emphasized in the television show than in the book. In the book, it's kind of a blink and you miss it moment of yeah. explanation. So that's why I remember it so well. There's also a great interplay between Kirk and Spock in this. Spock is very much more of a of a conflicted man in this in this, this episode. Is, it feels like this is like because I don't remember like where this takes place in the Star Trek like continuity, but like, it feels season two. Okay, so like it's, it feels like they're still not like best buds yet. Like he still calls him like captain. He like calls him Kirk he like co- once in the show. I'm pretty sure he calls him captain up until season two. Yeah, season three. Because in this one, like they're definitely like butting heads. Like it doesn't yeah, feel like they're close even, yet. Like Spock like freaks out. Is like barbarian world and yeah. Kirk and him have a have a like have a thing, mm-hmm. um, have like a, a fight. Um, yeah, and then Kirk kind of like it, like even, even in the in the talking head images, uh, Spock, uh, Spock is like Spock. You can order me <laughs> to change my opinion, yeah, and I will. Right. And no, I, I really, I, I really like the uh, relationship between them. I thought it was really, really mm-hmm. strong. I, I, I get a really real sense and feeling for it. It's a shame that this isn't the the exact script that was used in the television show, yeah. though. I understand why. And it's yeah. funny because uh, I was reading some of the like the extra stuff in the back, and Harlan when when they were doing this, they were like Harlan wanted to edit the like the, the words, and the Tiptons were like, no, we want it to be exactly <laughs> as you wrote it all those years ago. Like, don't edit it because we like it the way it is. Yeah. So I think it's funny that even Harlan was like, don't make the book that I don't do what I did. But <laughs> Harlan was very upset that Gene did this to him. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, not What's to him, but like Gene, Gene and, story. and Harlan. That's why Harlan doesn't write another episode. 
Makes sense. Because Harlan was very upset that, that Gene was like, no, this this doesn't go with Star Trek. Is Harlan still credited with writing the episode that aired? Yes, or? he is. Okay. He is still, it's, it, the episode that aired still says written by Harlan Ellison. Okay. They call Spock like Chinaman a lot in this. They do. Yeah. And I, I, I get it. I know. I know it's the time. But like, just like, yay, that Chinaman over there. I'm like, oh, I know. I know yeah. this is like how it is. But like, I don't like it. Like when he's about to finish the day, the guy who's like, all right, Chinese, it's done. It's payday. Yeah. Here you go. And then, of course, he like miscounts and Spock's like. But believe it. <laughs> what? Believe it or not, it's handled better in the book than it is in the show. Oh, I believe. Like, I, I know, like. That's that's how it is, and like like it's also it Edith's is. Edith's preaching isn't as heavy handed in the in the comic as it is in the show. Oh really? Because um, there's a bit where no. where in the beginning of, in the show when they first meet Edith, she's like, eventually we will have this and this and this and this, and she's basically like dictating Star Trek. Um, <laughs> we'll have flying ships and, and elven commanders. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Uh, and then, but in the show, she's very much like, we just got to be nicer to each other and we got to treat everyone with respect and blah, blah, blah. Um, and, uh, yeah, she was nice in the book. And one of the, one of the, one of the key differences in the, in the, in the book is that in the show, Kirk stops her from falling down the stairs. In the comic, she just falls down. She falls down the stairs. Like, oh my god, are you dead? No, I'm cool. Now. He, he lets her. He like <laughs> you takes see the her moment to let go, her. You see her go for it and then stop. Yeah. And by the way, I think that the, the, page i love jk woodward's art but that page is goofy as shit Dude, so, like listen when when his faces are on point they look great but oh, yeah. but then but sometimes um they're a little wonky what is that <laughs> just yeah. the oh. yeah when when you do the uncanny uncanny valley thing where like you get so close to real sometimes it just looks you know a little no, weird. you know one of the I, things i actually really sorry sparks one of the things no, I, actually, I really like about this book is that i know captain kirk has his reputation of fans and non-fans about being a space gigolo which is a horrible reputation because he actually does not yeah but as I was, re- I remember specifically the first time, even while I was reading this in my sleep deprived state last night, he still, you can tell that he still really, really feels, uh, has, he loves and cares for this woman. And then, of course, he's still wrestling with the reality that this woman, who I have grown to love, who I've grown to know, and I want her to be part of my life. She has to die. So is it the same way in the mo- in the in the TV show where they have to like oh we got stranded here and we have to wait weeks for this guy to show up? Yeah. So, okay. Yeah. It is still the same. Um, although in the actually I like the I like the show the episode's description of why because it's not an exact science. Yeah. Whereas in the show, whereas in the comics, just like you just can't. It's like yeah, I don't have the right things to do the thing. So like I guess it's here. Yeah. I'm like okay. Um. Yeah. One of the things is that Kirk says in the in the comic he's like I you know I've had offshore flings and i and and um even even spock's like yeah that's the price we pay for being um for being uh, for being in space all the time and he's like but i but and like it was really like beautiful how he falls in love I with love her. her um one of the things i do want to bring up uh i there is some revisionist history in this comic which i found interesting uh, in the in established star trek canon uh up until enterprise it was never established what um, what species had uh, spaceflight first? The Vulcans or the humans? Mm. Uh, in the so in first contact, they explain that the the first species that we ever come in contact with, Vulcans, all right? the Vulcans. Vulcans. But it's yeah. here. It's in here. The yeah. Vulcans didn't get spaceflight until two hundred years after the Did humans. Kirk say yeah. like, it was like it was like thanks to us that you guys. Yes. And I'm yeah. like, is that is that? I don't remember no, that. I remember reading that. I thought to myself, wait, but Something first contact fishy. has come. What? Yeah. I mean, but obviously, this, this, Zephyrin. Was, this was. But this is before. Ellison's original. No, I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, yeah. First contact wasn't even thought of until. Zephyr yeah. Cochran right. is like a little baby right now. Zephyr Cochran uh, was actually in the original series. 
Yeah. That's where and, it comes from. And narratively, narratively for the story he's telling, I really like it. I really like the discussion that they have. All the moments where Kirk and Spock are so strong in this book. Yeah. Yeah, they really are. And I and I know that young William Shatner could have delivered this stuff. Mm-hmm. Like he was he is actually a good actor. He was just never given Oh dude, yeah. I was totally reading like obviously it's their likenesses, but I was yeah. reading Shat Shat I was reading Shat. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, so was I. There's a reason why he's won Emmys for Boston Legal. And, and of course I, love, I love that show. And of course you got Learning Boys like Stoic Boys. <laughs> I love the clues that they leave for them to find her and how Spock comes upon it. I, I like that so much better than the way that she kind of falls into their lap in the show. Same. Um, um, there's a go ahead, go ahead, Sparks. Are we going to say something else? Yeah, the ending. Uh, the ending when they're on the ship is something that the show was sorely missing. A moment like that where uh, Spock comes to visit uh, Kirk and he calls him Jim for the first time, mm-hmm. and he says, uh, "You know, um, no one ever loved her more because no one ever loved uh, uh, loved her." I have, oh, the, I have the, I have the you, quote. You, yeah, have the can quote. you read it? Because I don't have it in front of me. Yeah, so Spock is about to leave the Enterprise. He, uh, so so he's talking about this bum who died. And the bum dying is has more impact in this in the script as it does in this episode. Uh, and he's, and Which it, is much better, too. They mm-hmm. say that the bum is negligible. Um, he was negligible. He fought at Verdun. And he was neg- negligible. Because he can't, like, he can't. Kirk is having a hard time reconciling the fact that that man didn't matter to the overarching flow of time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then uh, where where he's like, why did he do that for you? And it's like, because I gave him $2, and I love that moment so much. Yeah, and he says, uh, and he says, and she, and Spock cuts him off and says, no, she was not neg- negligible. And Kirk says, crying, Kirk, uh, but I loved her. And Spock says, no woman was ever loved as much, Jim, because no woman was ever offered the universe for love. That's true. That's that's yeah. good. That's that's true. It's love right there. It's a really good, really good line. There was some. It's so good. There's some cute interactions between. What's her name again? Eliza. Edith Keeler. Edith. Sorry, Edith. Um, like where there, where she's at the apartment with, and like they're just talking, and she's like, you know, the way you say things, like you don't sound like a regular person sometimes. I, I do like the bit where he's like, your accent, Iowa. And he's like, yeah, nobody ever picks up on that. Yeah. Like uh, that from cool. 500 years under the baby. Um, this is a good. This is um. It's a cool. It's cool to see. Like obviously, I didn't watch the show, but I, I watched like, the first five minutes of it. But it's cool to hear how different it is, how similar it is, and it's cool that we got like the the real version of what that script should be. He also published it as a, as a book, so you can't buy it as a script book. But cool. I, I really like this version of this. No, oh, yeah, uh, it, it flows very, very, very well. Um, and and reading it a second time after watching the episode for the one hundredth time, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Um, I really like this story. I think this is really beautiful. It's a also, good one. Also, I just love the title. The City on the Age of Forever? It just sounds so cool. Yeah, it's a cool title. <coughs> and also, like, the city is on the verge of the galaxy, which I think is really cool. You would say it's on the edge of forever? Um, and on that note. And on that note. <laughs> uh, what do you say we get out of here? Bye. I wish that more Star Trek uh, episodes were of the quality of this graphic novel. I agree. Don't ever watch season three. Um, oh, no. Or the animated show. But, uh, but I thought I had to. Oh, you right. Yep. All right. <laughs> I guess we're stuck there. Uh, Sparky Sparks, it's your it's your book club next week. Oh no. Oh yeah. I haven't planned at all. Oh no. Um. Uh. So I I was gonna do something different, but because Steve Ditko passed away, I thought that why don't we read some select issues from his body of work? I'm and sure. the issues I've selected are Amazing Fantasy Fifteen. Ooh. Where Spider-Man made his first appearance. Who's that? And Strange Tales 110, where Doctor Strange made his first appearance. These are great. 
And Amazing Spider-Man 31 to 33, which is one of the most praised Spider-Man stories uh, that Ditko was ever part of, let alone one of the most praised Spider-Man stories ever. Um, And Strange Tales 146, which was uh, one of Ditko's very last pieces of work. So Marvel, cool. Hell yeah, I got it on Marvel Unlimited, $9.99. All righty then. I guess uh, next week we have an interview with uh, Christy Shin. Friend of the show. Friend friend of of yours, friend of ours, friend of the shows. Uh, Would Mm -hmm. you like to explain a little bit about that? Yes. So so we've done an interview about it before with her body of work about uh, her book, Push Roll Monsters. She also has a new book on comicsology, and I believe it's going to be sold physically at San Diego Comic-Con coming up in a few weeks, about one of her newer characters, Demon Bitch. I love the it. The book is called Demon Bitch, Hell and Damnation, and I've sent each and every one of you, except Sparks, i got to resend you the email. It didn't go through the first time. Uh, PDF copies of our book, so we're going to read it, and we're going to talk about it, and hopefully she'll be on the show next week. Demon Bitch, fun for all ages. Yeah. Alrighty, and if not, we'll, I'm sure we'll figure something else yeah. out. We, we always do. Um, well, that'll do it for the show. Thank you to everyone who listens. Thank you to everyone who contributes. Thank Jeremy Bellucci uh, for doing our theme song and intros. Uh, you can find him at JV Jabberwock. You can find his show, Suburban Proctologist, at facebook.com slash Suburban Proctologist Official, Instagram at Suburban Podcast. Thank you to Mike Matola for our logo. Mike, Woo. Mike, Mike. You can find him at, at Mike Matola. Now, on that, I've been working very hard these past two weeks to get uh, all of our, uh, every, every service that we're on to be matched and look all the same. So if you do not have our new logo specifically uh, on your <coughs> feed, tune in. I'm working on, so don't email me but if you're listening to us on something else that doesn't have our new logo let me know uh so i so i know where to where to double my efforts where to bleep it and bleep it um until next week guys you can find us on twitter instagram facebook all the fake nerd podcast uh fake nerd guys at gmail.com if you'd like to get in touch with us personally i'm at bt mcclure on instagram and twitter you can find ryan i'm at walter goggins ryan. i'm at dj tony snark and everything ben i'm at a hank pym i don't know <laughs> <laughs> ben magnet 27 for everything Sparks. Uh, I'm at Bill Foster. Um, oh. <laughs> uh, I'm Sparks Witty on Instagram and Twitter. S P A R K Z Witty. Subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, TuneIn, iHeartRadio, Spotify, wherever podcasts are listened to. Until next week, guys, stay fake nerds. <laughs>